watch out because here we come. It's the Disenfranchised Podcast, where that podcast all about those franchises of one, those films that fancy themselves full-fledged franchises before falling flat on their face after the first film. I am your host, Stephen Fox, where they coming on stronger than ever before. Uh, my co-host, Brett Wright and Tucker, are currently on a race around the world to see how much ill-begotten, disenfranchised merchandise they can leave in various parts of the earth. We wish them a speedy return. But I am not alone uh, to close out our 80s animation extravaganza month and Pride Month, uh, something we have been uh, regrettably neglectful of this month. Um, we decided it would be best to bring on our two favorite queer animation nerds. It's been a while, but they're back in style. Hi there. Uh, <laughs> my name is Bex Stow, and my pronouns are they, them. Hope Lickner, she, her. And we are High, High on, on Cartoons. cartoons. <laughs> it's a crossover, bitches. That's right. We are we are crossing over once again, uh, disenfranchised and high on cartoons, two of your favorite podcasts. And if they're not, damn it, they should be. Um, here to talk about Bex, what movie, what oh, movie geez. are we talking about today? Oh, yes, right under the bus. We are, uh, I, I, I feel so terrible being here to defend this movie. I don't know if I have a defense, but you I don't like have to movie. defend anything. <laughs> I just asked you what movie we're covering. That's all I ask. We are covering the most surreal, wild concept of an 80s animated film for children that it's a miracle that this thing had a theatrical run. Mm -hmm. uh, we are covering Alvin and the Chipmunks, The Chipmunk Adventure. 1987's The Chipmunk Adventure, directed by Janice Carmen, written by Carmen and Ross Bogdazarian Jr., and starring Bogdazarian and Carmen, and Carmen. along with along with Dodie Goodman, Susan Tyrell, Anthony DeLongis. The Frank Walker really has been our MVP this month. He has literally been in every movie that we've covered. Um, <laughs> From from Transformers until now, he's been in all of them, uh, and also Nancy Cartwright, Charlie Adler, Jack Angel, the immortal Mel Blanc, Laura Summer. What a cast! Dare I say it, people? What a picture! Oh my gosh. <laughs> this movie is is a surreal fever dream. It it you know, but you know what? It's a good looking surreal fever dream. Oh. It's so pretty. It's really oh. really like I was saying this while we were watching it earlier. For a 1987 children's animated movie, it's actually pretty decently animated. There are some, especially the vistas with the around the world travel. Oh my god! That are like you could they could be paintings. Like they, yeah. there's some really gorgeous um, animation and artwork in this. Just Too bad it's hot garbage <laughs> of a story. It has not aged well, and that oh. is putting it really, really favorably. Like that okay. is about the nicest thing you can say about it. No, yeah, wow. <laughs> I'm, I'm actually going to argue the story is not the problem. Because my problem, I mean, the story is, is derivative. Great bones. <laughs> it's got a good structure to like a a B science fiction, no, like a B summer release. You know, uh, I, I, I mean, it definitely maybe? has B summer release energy. Uh, and then, and then we get you know all the negative shit, which I'm sure we will get into. Yes, we will. Um, but, uh, but I, I was watching this, uh, the other night with my partner and I was just, I had to comment on how amazing, like the backgrounds look like just in the beginning, like you haven't even seen any characters yet. Just the backgrounds look fucking gorgeous in this. Like, and here's the thing. 
the animators on this film are way overqualified. Do you know why, Bex? Do you know why the animators on this are so overqualified? Um, why? Please share. Because after a future episode of this podcast, The Black Cauldron tanked at the box office, Disney laid off a shit ton of their animators, including Glenn Keane, um, the son of the family circus creator, Bill Keane. And I mean, they they just laid off a shit ton of their animators. Uh, it, was, uh, it was Glenn Keane, so uh, Dan Haskett. On this movie? Yeah, Dave. The uh, legendary D- Glenn Keane, who yes. went back to Disney and worked on Little Mermaid. <laughs> yes. Yes, they Disney laid them all off. Bogdazarian Bogdazarian booked them all for a song. And then after this movie, Disney hired them back. Wow. That Um, makes so much sense because we were looking it up. Um, I was absolutely floored about the fact that this movie went into theaters. This had a cinematic run. And Mm -hmm. I was like, how did this even manage to happen? Well, we looked it up and there wasn't a single Disney movie or a Bluth movie that came out in the same year. Exactly. And the only other thing in theaters was The Brave Little Toaster, which was also a surreal surreal fever dream. There was something Um, something in the water. I also watched another 1987 earlier in the week, um, Prince of Darkness, which is another kind of surreal fever dream. Uh, So there was something in the water in 1987, I think. But yeah, no, it's it's beautifully animated. Nothing else was released that year. And they went ham on the music for this movie. Yes, they did. They, like, so basically what happened was the TV show was so popular that Thagnazarian was approached by multiple studios saying, hey, we'll finance your movie. Mm-hmm. So they had money. Mm-hmm. So like they went to, um, what was his name? Randy Edelman, I want to say, was... Yeah, Randy Edelman was the conductor of the uh, London Royal Philharmonic Orchestra. Yes. Yes. And what? That's yeah. why the music slaps so hard. Yeah. What? Yeah. Yeah, the 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 theme, the Chipmunk Adventure theme was And all of the and all of the musical interlude numbers are all yeah. done by the Royal Philharmonic. Mhm. Which is why it goes so hard. What yeah. is this movie? An absolute it, nightmare. <laughs> it is. It, in, in almost every conceivable way. Oh like, my god. Uh-huh. Right. Right. No, you're right. That's, that That's is a correct dumb. response, Hope. Yeah. That's dumb. I understand <laughs> that it's real. I understand you're not making this up. That's dumb. I know, it's, it's so... It's dumb that that's real. It's more ridiculous that you just told me that Glenn Keane worked on this. Like, what even? Some of the most talented animators of a generation happened to get picked up for this movie because it was an off year for the big studios. Well, no, that's because Disney... Wild. Disney was in such a rate of decline in the 80s. Like, it took... Oh, yeah. Howard motherfucking Ashman to turn that ship around. Like, hail one yeah. of the greats, Howard Ashman. Like, and Disney Alan MVP. And, and, yeah. Yeah. Um, but, but no, yeah, because th- that was like the whole Fox and the Hound, like mutiny, essentially. Right. Where, like, With Bluth and yeah. Burton and Bird and like all these like huge names in like animation Selick. and film. Yeah. yeah. All just like pieced well, out of there. Bye. Yeah. No, they all just left and did other stuff for a while. Because Disney um, was like the, I think Williams too, Roger Williams. Uh, mm-hmm. Is that the, the guy who did uh, uh, the... Oh, I just forgot the name. He did Who Framed Roger Rabbit, but also the uh, the um, the Thief and the Cobbler. Oh, um, oh man, the Thief and the Cobbler isn't one I've seen, but I've heard of it. 
Um, yeah, it's I'm, it's kind I'm of one of those like well either. It's one is of those it, Weinstein debacle kind of BS kind of things where. Isn't it also like mildly mythical in that it like took so long to get made? Yeah, like that movie comes out in 1990. Richard Williams, Richard, not Roger, Richard, Richard Williams. Williams. Sorry, I just that got there movie, on Google too. That movie comes out in 1993 and features the performance, uh, a performance of Vincent Price who had died earlier that year. Whoa! Um, it is it is his last performance. That's it amazing. is Vincent Price's final performance. So. Okay, so that was after uh, Mouse Detective. Yeah. Right, but um, like one of the gigs that he picked up was Who Framed Roger Rabbit while he was trying to, you know, get funding and, and staff because it was all independent. And yeah. then Weinstein picked it up and fucked it over like like, like Weinstein like, do. Like he does. Yeah. Um, Garbage so, man, so. Harvey Weinstein. <laughs> yep. Oh my gosh, that's ridiculous. Yeah, no, but this this like this movie, its existence is a weird. It's an I anomaly. Was, I, I was really curious about like the whole timeline. I mean, we were Googling this earlier and stuff like that, but like you said, um, Disney and the decline. Uh their eighties is the Fox and the Hound, the Black Cauldron, the Great Mouse Detective, which comes out the year before this. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And then afterwards it's Oliver and Company. Yeah, and then in '89, it's obviously the Little Mermaid, and the world was changed forever. But it's just, and then Don Bluth also, like the year before this is an American Tale. The year mm -hmm. after this is Land Before Time. Uh, Land Before Time, both so, of which are huge hits for Bluth. Right, yeah. absolutely. Like Bluth took on the mouse and almost won. He couldn't keep the quality consistent, unfortunately. But yeah. like he took on the mouse. If not for if not for Ashman, he might have actually overthrown disney animation yeah if it hadn't been for the um yeah if it hadn't been for the renaissance and very specifically the music that drove those movies mm -hmm. with ashman and oh mankin behind the and, wheel well, i mean ashman also like i i told you guys earlier on the um on our on our patreon show what are we watching do out sunday uh that i watched the howard ashman uh documentary on disney plus and like he was involved in the creative process on all of those renaissance films too like particularly the first three of um, Little Mermaid, Little Mermaid, Beauty and the Beast, and Aladdin. Yes, like he was very and heavily he, involved in the creative aspects of those as well. And he passed away, I think, right before Beauty and the Beast came out, and while Aladdin was still in production. Yeah, it was either right before or right after, but yeah, it was very like right in there. I think it was right after Beauty and the Beast. Mm -hmm. But yeah, like Aladdin was still in production. A lot of his songs ended up getting cut. Like uh, "Proud of Your Boy" was was a big right. one that that got cut. That's I think the it controversial got added back one. Yeah. Oh dear. Yeah, I think oh, it got boy. added back for the Broadway, the Broadway? run or version of it. I think it did. Yes. Yeah. So. Yeah. Yeah, yeah but controversial because like, was... terrible people are terrible. Yeah. Not controversial because of the song for any. No, reason, controversial so. because it's just fine. But honestly, do you think that those terrible people would like it if they knew who wrote it? Here's if they I, knew I that it was that a gay man who died of AIDS. Like mm. I think that about you guys have seen Cabaret, right? Yes. No. Um, Candor and Ebb. Yes. Two gay <laughs> Jewish men wrote what became the fucking neo-Nazi anthem. Tomorrow belongs to me. And it's it's my favorite moment in the movie. It's like such a haunting moment. It like it it fucking floors me every time I watch it. Like I, it's the reason why I adore that movie so much. I'm tearing up just thinking about how powerful that moment is, and to have that song co-opted. And it's terrible. The reason it's so powerful is because it's fucking terrifying. Yeah. Um, 
because it's but, written from a place of like generational trauma yeah and like and and uh, like having been afraid for your life for your entire life mm-hmm. and that's not but then they put all those words fascists understand and but they put those words in the mouth of a, a literal nazi and yeah. so it's like it's that counter like it's it's a it's a song that can only be told from a jewish perspective yeah. in the mouth of the one exterminating those people and it's it's like it's a mind fuck and and i mean that in the best possible and fossey films it so well but like it's it's such an incredible moment but then to see that song then co-opted i'm like you guys you guys know who wrote that right like you know you have to know and if you don't know they don't maybe but that's just it they don't care they don't yeah they just took it at face value and it's it's exactly the kind of people they are they're, they're okay. not going to let something as simple as a fact get in the way of anything. Yeah. <laughs> why stop, not, why start now? Roll. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's know. the other thing about Cabaret is that, like, you don't, if you don't know what you're watching, the World War II of it all sneaks up on you. It does. It just smacks you right across the face like a dead fish. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, it, oh, yeah, it, this is a really fun club. This is great. What time? I just, yeah, it's fine. All Weimar what now? Yeah. Exactly. Like, <laughs> right. Yeah, oh, it's so it's good. it is it's my favorite movie of the 1970s, and that is my favorite decade of film. So I do not say that lightly. Like Cabaret, Damn. fucking slaps. I love Cabaret. I love Cabaret. Yes, I have to watch Cabaret so, now. Yeah, we'll have to Hope, go back to that one. You absolutely have to watch Cabaret. Um, Shit. All right. I my partner still hasn't seen Cabaret, so I need to I need to show her Cabaret too. So. Uh yeah no personally my favorite film of the 1970s probably Jaws. Um. <laughs> no, Jaws is a perfect masterpiece. I think some alternate versions of Brett and I covered it on this podcast once upon a time. So yeah, one of when those one of those work. multi one of those multiversal situations. Yeah, um, or but somehow it wasn't right. Right. Well, I mean, I think I think they still agreed it was no, that's a masterpiece, the timeline but... in which the shark functioned. <laughs> Shows up right away. Yeah, Very yeah, obviously, yeah. thought great. Um nom nom nom. C plus. God, you can see that you can see the screws. This isn't real at all. Um, oh my god! Anyway, we are here to talk version. about 1987's The Chipmunk Adventure. Yeah. And um, so let's get into before we get too much deeper into it. Let's talk about the plot of The Chipmunk Adventure oh from boy. 1987. Oh, I'm so excited for this. All right, Hope, are you ready to give the plot in 60 seconds? I will break your kneecaps. I'll drive to where you are. <laughs> no, seriously, Hope, let's, uh, uh, please tell us about this film. Uh, I hate everybody. Um, <laughs> Hold on, let me get 60 seconds on the clock. I knew yeah, this was on. coming. Son of a bitch. I was going to say, it's not uh, like we didn't this prep myself? you for this. <laughs> <laughs> this is this is revenge. It may it? have been a joke. <laughs> it, it may have started as a joke, but it sure didn't end that way. All right, your time starts. Uh, first of all, let me let me intro this segment. Okay. For those who have never listened to the show, first of all, why are you starting with this episode? But second of all, hi, welcome. Um, we are. Uh, this is the part of the show where we recap the plot of the movie in sixty seconds or less. Um, and I will give the thirty and ten second warnings. Uh, usually, we roll the uh, the d six of destiny, but um, Brett's not here, and we have guests, so that's how we're doing it. So, um, hope the time will start whenever you. Are ready. (sighs) 
See if I never start the timer. <laughs> no, you already started. Start. Timer's, time's going. Ah! What's the plot, Hope? Ah, fuck. Ah, I thought I could get away with that move. Fuck. Um, uh, um, the, uh, 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 Alvin. Dimorphic clones of various chipmunk characters are sent on a globe-trotting mission around the world to uh, exchange diamonds for cash, and it's weird, and it's very strange. And 30 it's very seconds. Weird. And, um... Uh, uh, <laughs> these two gumshoes keep slipping through the cracks. There's no, 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 no. Uh, Different case chipmunks. too big, no case too small. If you need help, just call. Alvin and the chipmunks. Sure. Ten seconds. <laughs> so son of a bitch, I didn't even run out the clock with the song. <laughs> Fuck me running. Um, three, two, it's okay. That's time. That's time. Go. Oh. All right, Bex, I think you could probably do better if you I actually can. want to give a give a I, plot. I, I do, in fact. But I have a question for you, Stephen. I, uh, have you ever realized, and or when did you realize that um, that y'all have a great acronym for plot in 60 seconds? Fuck. <laughs> um, today. Oh, shit. <laughs> today I learned. Um, thank you. I know Tucker, when he's editing this, is going to seize hold of that. And if there's one thing Tucker does not need, it's ammunition. So thank Yay! you for providing that. You're um, more than welcome. I realized I guess, that when I was writing this, and I was like, hmm, that's I, okay, great. I guess we're going to have to start calling this the piss take. Um, hey! <laughs> ugh, I hate that for myself. Um, okay. <laughs> All right, Bex, whenever you're ready to take the piss. Um, Alvin and the chipmunks race the chipettes around the world in adorable hot air balloons in this globe-trotting adventure jam-packed with animated hijinks, international diamond smuggling, and non-stop bangers that have absolutely no right to be as good as they are. With numerous scenes and themes that are definitely inappropriate for children, this movie answers the question, what if Martin Scorsese wrote and directed an animated film for kids? With Dave off on a European business trip, a travel-obsessed Alvin is overheard and the kids are approached by Klaus and Claudia, sibling leaders of an international diamond smuggling ring, who dupe the kids into the race as cover for de delivering jewels and collecting payments stuffed inside chipmunk and chipette stuffed animals. The kids gift their, grift their guardians, encounter bad <laughs> racial stereotypes... Life and death close calls and an outlandish bad guy bait and switch before scraping back home to safety. Ten seconds. Oh, and done. and and they're already done. Son of a bitch. Hot damn. All right. Nice. Hot damn. Um, wow, what a what what a picture. No, that was first of all, incredible recap. <laughs> <laughs> Why are you I... not voicing trailers? <laughs> stupid human tricks um <laughs> i got a few yeah uh yeah i cold wrote that just like two nights ago after hope was like oh by the way we're, we're quoting with them on sunday and i was like oh, i probably need to write one of those that's what i came up with in about 10 minutes now okay no so that's for 10 minutes that's solid my question oh, is and man. i'm worried about the answer actually is did you do that from memory or did you have like the wikipedia article oh no i wrote that i cold wrote that oh, from my, from God. memory just thinking wow. about it so bex let me this is normally how we start episodes but we got kind of sidetracked amazing that the three of us managed to somehow find a way to get sidetracked hmm. <laughs> um but bex like this this is um when when hope and i were kind of um 
discussing the the possibility of doing an 80s animation month on disenfranchised and what that would entail um or or i think maybe it was just that she mentioned that the two of you were watching that movie and that it was one of your favorites and i was like <laughs> well that's a that's an episode one day and, and hope's that's, like we're on likely. it that's likely in, that i said that yeah in a, in a, in a, in the way that only hope does just saying, Oh, that's, that's something you guys are going to do. Well, I'm going to do it with you. Do you like it? I don't care. <laughs> <it>. I'm there <laughs> just kind of planting her flag as she is wont to do. Um, ah, but yes, I'm invited now. <laughs> yes. <laughs> oh, this is, this is also my podcast. Thank you. I, I love being called out. Um, <laughs> oh, buckle up. Cause when I, I when I get to be on, it's, it's, <laughs> I am, I'm going to hope Lickner filibuster that bitch and it's going to be a delight. Oh, son of a bitch. I'm in for it. I'm so excited about that. That's going to be I, great. I, so I have lists of things that I want to do on that show. I, I'm actually going I, to have to re-listen to your entire uh, to your entire show before I do to remind myself of what some bits I've forgotten that I wanted to do are. Thanks. Um, <laughs> That's dedication. Based, I appreciate it. Based solely on shit that the two of you have said over the course of the entire run. Like, one of you will say something and I'll be like, oh, and I'll, my brain will go off on a tangent. And for five minutes, I'm thinking about something, not realizing the two of you are still talking on my, on my phone. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, uh, there's an episode going. And then I'll, I'll focus in on the episode and I'll forget what I was just talking about. But there's one in particular <laughs> that I have locked away. And I am currently compiling a list of things that I'm just going to rep. And I'm going I'm to spring it on you. And I'm going to give you mine. And I'm going to challenge you to come up with something better. Oh my god! I'm and I'm not going to tell you what it is beforehand. I'm so excited, Stephen. I so much appreciate that you listen to our podcast so really so regularly. <laughs> no, I I have a blast with your podcast. I, I look. Hope and I have been friends since she found me on Twitter, probably based on something I tweeted to the Blank Check podcast. Probably that's likely, that right? Well, I, rem- I definitely remember the. Uh... Uh, the, the your Orson Welles uh, avatar. Yes, and I, I like, and I oh, also no. had an, an old this man Welles avatar. Yeah, <laughs> and so and and so uh, the two of us started like engaging, uh, and then when uh, she started um, Frank reviews, I was like, oh well, I'll, I'll listen to this. I, I follow this person on Twitter. Yeah, absolutely. And I started listening, and then we started like DMing and and chatting, and um, and we became friends based on that. Uh, and now we text regularly. <laughs> um most so, it's me harassing you about unfortunately dune dune, dune. <laughs> um yeah because i read the books and yeah i think i'm done with dune for a my f- while my I'm favorite so thing the other day so we sorry. decided to name dune sequels based oh on God. based on other the titles of other sequels and I fired off a few at you, like rapid fire, and you were like, "Okay, but no joke." You literally just described the plots of these three Dune novels. <laughs> it's sad. It's actually really sad. Why, Frank Herbert? Why? I yeah. No. I mean, a question that yeah. she was asking, Reagan. But no, I I love while while she while she finds that thread of our conversation. No, I I love you guys. I love wow, your podcast. We text a lot. This is worrying. We, okay. We've we've been texting a lot this past these past couple weeks. Yeah. Here it goes. Uh, you came up with a Dune 2, even Dooner, which I call <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, uh, Dune 2, a Ragnarok. Mm-hmm. Arachnarok. Oh, Arachnarok, God. yeah. Top quality, fun. Okay, so. Aces. So, your Dune sequel title was Dune 2, My Big Fat uh, Arachnian Wedding, um, which is just God Emperor Dune. Uh, <laughs> Paul Atreides and the Temple of Dune, uh, which is just Dune Messiah. <laughs> and uh, the Bene Gesserit Strike Back, 
which is just heretics of Dune. So, like, <laughs> no, it, it's it's worrying how well that lined up. That's hilarious. Yeah, we're just I we're just a couple of big old nerds, and I love it, that. You for know us. what? In order to get us back on track, I to, mean, to a subject I don't really know anything about, I'm going to say that a good sequel name for Dune would be Dune Two: The Squeakle. <laughs> Yeah, we're going to have to talk about the... Um... Uh, yeah, I haven't actually seen any of the live-action films. Okay, um, never mind. We don't have to talk about them at all, then. Great. I'm okay cool. with that, because, uh, yeah, no, this is already a total guilty pleasure for me, but after, like, I really appreciate this opportunity to have really applied some analysis to it, but, like, I, I, I didn't oh, yeah. realize I was a super fan until I started doing research and four Wikipedia articles later, I feel like I'm a foremost scholar on the Bagdazarian Company. <laughs> Because yeah, so, it's really not that deep. There isn't that much there. So before we get into the history of Alvin and the Chipmunks, let's dive into your specific history with Alvin and the Chipmunks. Bex, like, how did, because we were talking before the recording and you said you weren't really big on the show. So like, what was this your entry point? Like, was it the music? Like, where, where did you come in on Alvin and the Chipmunks? It was literally this movie. I had this movie on VHS as a small autistic child and <laughs> um, just watched it on repeat like autistic kids do because right. it was it was really pretty and uh it had music it's like literally it's a song every five minutes after you get through the first 20 it really so, is like, yeah <laughs> so it no, was just first 20 really now. engaging and i i just watched it on repeat as a kid so i unfortunately have it mostly memorized right on um so so like the, your your literally your knowledge of alvin and the chipmunks kind of begins and ends with this movie then doesn't begin and end with this movie um i also watched the universal monster movie alvin and the chipmunks movies that came out in the early 90s i remember those yeah um one of them still holds up the other is not great um (laughs) imagine with with the legacy that this movie begins imagine (laughs) right um that the direct-to-video like spinoffs would be bad Well, it's funny because they were like, okay, we've got, like, I think they had a deal with Universal at the time. And um, because the the Bagdazarian company is super possessive of these characters. And because it's the only thing they own. Literally. That's all that they they have. And that's all that they take care of. So I think they had a deal with Universal where they did a Alvin and the Chipmunks meet Frankenstein and Alvin and the Chipmunks meet the Wolfman somewhere around 99, 2000-ish. Right. I remember Hope texting me during Alvin and the Chipmunks meet the Wolfman. Yeah, because it features Maurice LaMarche, and he's holding yes. a silver-headed wolf cane. Yeah, no, uh, it's... Silver wolf-head cane, whatever. And I'm like, oh, no, that's... I gotta text And his name is Lawrence Talbot, now. right? Yeah, no, it's yeah. literally just the wolf man. They yeah. use the verse. They say, even a man who is pure in heart and says his prayers by night may become a wolf, and the wolf cane blooms and the autumn moon is bright. They say it in the show. They have in, Alvin say it. In the chipmunk voice. It's infuriating. <laughs> so it's it's pretty much like that's the one that holds up. Um, because it basically is just the ki- like the, the chipmunks stuck into a Wolfman movie. And another perfect example of the songs uh, slapping harder than they should be, unfortunately. That's kind of the thing with the post-80s chipmunks, is when I was in college, um, I, discovered, um, I discovered audio piracy. Like many, (laughs) like many people my age. But of course, Uh, you've been clean for well beyond the statute of limitations, correct? Correct. Yeah, right. There's so this is all now. (laughs) Right. Yeah. No. I mean, this. I mean, in that alternate timeline where that alternate Brett and I recorded those that that, those episodes on Jaws and Predator. Um, but no. Um, I did so. I, I 
I, I realized that there were actually Alvin and the Chipmunk CDs um, oh that they released where Alvin and the Chipmunks would cover like genres of music. Yeah. And the one that stuck out to me the most, and to me, the one that slapped the hardest was Alvin and the Chipmunks singing Brooks and Dunn's Boot Scootin' Boogie. Huh. That's an interesting take. I, I, I can't explain it. Instead of whiskey, women, music, and smokes, it's root beer, women, music, and jokes. Because they had to kidify it. Because children, right. It's it's basically, Alvin and the Chipmunks is basically kids bop sped up a lot. Yeah, yeah, essentially. What's the the correlation between the rise of kids bop and the fall of the Chipmunks as a property? Is there a correlation? I don't know. There might be. I hope, I think you need to research that. Jesus Christ. Like, <laughs> not right okay, now. Full not right now. Given my, my fucking reputation on this program as like a recurring villain. Uh, no. I guess. Uh, <laughs> a lovable foil. A lovable I, foil. I, the Chipmunks was never my thing. I was a Chippendale right. Rescue Rangers kid, obviously. Um, and this. this Surprise that never came up. I enjoy the dichotomy mm. there that you, you right. had to choose a Chipmunk. Those, those, yeah, those are the two, right? I liked both, but go on. Same. I, I didn't realize you had to pick. The singing right. of Alvin and the Chipmunks always grated on my nerves as a kid. So I never really liked those. So for me, yeah, there was a choice between the two Chipmunk properties. And it's the one that doesn't involve those voices singing. So, yeah, I, guess I mean, yeah. were less musical, but they still sang. So how do you feel about wanting hula hoops and a, a, a plane that loops the I... loop? think that the Patton Oswalt bit on that track is the <laughs> the best thing to come out of the chipmunks personally speaking i it's just <laughs> where it's no, where the- it's three normal guys talking regularly and then the voice of alvin <laughs> That's that's what I like about the chipmunks, to be honest. So I, mean, it's, it's I have that nothing truly to bring to this episode besides some other quasi-related horseshit that we'll get to later. So I'm personally just excited to watch you info dump Yay. for the next. That's um, what I'm here how for. long was Dune? Three oh six. You could do three oh seven. I think you got it in. Yeah. I was gonna say. I mean, we're we're half an hour in already. <laughs> <laughs> and um, Bex, I think your heart out is still two hours away. So yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I think we're. I think we can. We can at least rack up a good episode. Uh, oh, meanwhile, yeah. Tucker is now as he's editing this sobbing into his headphones. <laughs> I'm so sorry. Um, I'm so sorry. I, that's that. You know what? That's not true because he actually can see the runtime of this episode, and we can't. Because <laughs> what is future it. for us is past for him. For correct. Him. Yeah. Um, we're still still in the thick of it (laughs) right we're in it we're in it how is this going to end i don't know um my history with alvin and the chipmunk i i I think so i might actually be the most well-rounded chipmunk fan on the episode probably um i watched the show the show is as old as i am uh we both turned 40 this year (laughs) um (laughs) so i i grew up on alvin and the chipmunks like that was my jam as a child one of many jams that i has had as a child so I think of the properties that we've discussed this month so far, which is to say Transformers, My Little Pony, and G.I. Joe, this All is the good. one I'm probably the most nostalgic for. Wait, which um, My Little Pony movie did you get? Never mind. I'll go back and look. 80, <laughs> 87. 
or 86, whenever. You know what's the- disgusting? I shouldn't have any attachment to any of these films. I'm a 90s baby. <laughs> you had an older brother, though, that, that engaged with a yes, lot of this Yes, I do though, have an older so. brother. And we also had a Betamax VHS that we recorded everything on off the television. See, I listened to your podcast. I wouldn't have known that otherwise. <laughs> <laughs> that came up on an episode and I clocked that. Um, <laughs> but... Um, but uh, so this is what I'm probably the most nostalgic for, and and so nostalgic for it was I, I was one of those super dumb kids who got so used to getting up at a certain time. Like I had to get up ungodly early because my parents had to get to work early, and they would drop me off at a daycare in the morning before I would go to school. So on Saturday mornings, when my parents were trying to you know do what adults do and sleep in, I was awake at like six in the morning. 5 30 in the morning so sorry and i want to my parents who aren't listening to this yes i am sorry um (laughs) but me i was like hell yeah cartoons um and so i eventually had to learn how to turn on the tv turn the volume down so my parents wouldn't wake up while i was watching and i and i would watch like 50s and 60s cartoons like the beanie and cecil show tennessee tuxedo and the alvin show i suddenly understand you completely <laughs> that, oh that explains like a lot right there okay this is that this is honestly this is a big part of the reason why when i was um in high school i would listen to the oldies station mm. i was a i was a 15 year old fan of 50s 60s and 70s music oh you like, were a hipster before it was cool I, <laughs> which may be the most hipster thing you could possibly say about <laughs> me hipster but no, I was just, I, I I didn't even think of it like that. Like, I didn't think it was cool. I just thought like, this is fun. This is what like, I, I, like. Loved, I loved old shit. Like I would go and I was obsessed with characters that I didn't know anything about. Like regrettably, I would get Disney books from, from like the eighties and I would see characters from like, oh, I'm admitting this on a, in a public forum, Song of the South. And I'd be like, these characters fascinate me because I don't know who they are. Um, And so I'd be like obsessed with those characters and then come to find out later, they are horribly racist caricatures. Um, You know, something in common. Oh, oh, that sounds related to our topic of the day. I was going to say, Bex knows what I'm saying. We'll we'll come Uh back to that point. Let's put a pin in that. Oh, boy. Um, We will come back to that. Um, (laughs) And like I would go like I would go to like flea markets and find McDonald land glasses from the 70s with like captain crook and old school versions of grimace and the hamburglar and big mac and mary mccheese and i became obsessed with these characters because they weren't a part of the commercials that i grew up with as a kid in the 80s so like i was obsessed with all of those like obscure cartoons and obscure characters that i didn't know and so my favorite characters on the alvin show very quickly became clyde crash cup and his assistant leonardo um clyde crash cup was this i mean hashtag uh crash cup stands unite i guess crash cup hive where you guys are both now feverishly googling clyde crash cup yeah yeah um he was this tall thin scientist with a with a big like triangle nose and a like a wiry little mustache who was a terrible scientist who would invent things that had already been invented and then his assistant leonardo was a short squat bald man with glasses who never said anything whereas clyde crashcup would talk at end about all sorts of nonsense and he would he was the smarter of the two it was kind of a weird 
reverse Bunsen and Beaker kind of um, dynamic between the two of them. And uh, I thought Clyde Crash Cup was the shit. I loved me some Clyde Crash Cup. And um, I, I, I'm looking at the Google image search and I get it. Yes. I think he only showed up in like one of the post. Once the show went off the air in 1990, I think he showed up in one of the direct to video like spinoff videos. I think it was like um, Monk to the Future, like the Back to yeah. the Future spinoff where he shows oh, up as God. the Doc Brown analog. Oh, I hate that. That's amazing. <laughs> and I hate that. Yeah, no, that works. Oh, God. So well, yeah, they do like mentioned, they they attend like the Crash Cup University in yep. um in the uh, Meet the Wolfman. Correct. There you go. Okay. And that is that is what that is a reference to. You are welcome. Uh, yeah, but no, Good. Clyde Crash Cup was a hundred percent my shit. I'm, and, I'm um, thrilled to discover that Alvin and the Chipmunks has lore. I'm so excited by this knowledge. <laughs> so like, and I. And and I know the theme songs for that one. That's one of the few theme songs from before I was born that I actually know. This is the Alvin Show. The Alvin Show. You're positively gonna love the Alvin Show. Um, I'll stop. Um, no one wants to hear me sing. <laughs> um, but no. And then as I got, you know, as I watched the show, um, I I watched, you know, the various. But I I was out on the videos. I think we rented this one in the early days of VHS. I think this was a rental for the Foxworthy family. I remember two scenes from this movie in vivid detail. I remember really, it's just the image during the girls of rock and roll number where yeah. Alvin Simon and Theodore pop up their little heads into the, the headless statues of like the thinker Dionysus and Atlas, I think. Um, and then I remember the entirety of the regrettable woolly bully number. Oh. Yeah, that's not great. <sighs> not a good look. Oh god. Nah. Not. Please, I mean, I, I mentioned that Nancy Cartwright and Frank Welker are in this movie. Please don't look up who they play. I mean, Please Frank don't. Welker, to be fair, Frank Welker plays all of the animals as well. Correct. <laughs> he does play Sophie the dog. He plays the little penguin. So yeah, like true. <laughs> Frank Welker I, was a lot of things. Butter. I mean, that's just Frank Welker. Well, that and this was also several years before The Lion King. So this is before he became, like, really big. He was just doing anything and everything, which happened to be literally everything. <laughs> right. Because the man could do any animal voice. So it was just, like, stick him in literally any and every film. And this, I mean, this is why he's been, and there have been a number of people that have been in three of the four movies that we covered this month. Like Charlie Adler or Peter Cullen, uh, Jack Angel. They've been in. They've been in multiple, but not all. Frank Welker's been in everything. And then Frank Welker is the Mar constant. He is. <laughs> he is. I so back in the day, back in college, I was a part of a message board. And one of the people on the message board um like did an interview with Frank Welker at some point. And like we got to ask questions. And so I asked him about his work doing animal noises and like how he got started. I forget how he answered, but I signed my real name, Stephen Foxworthy, which I did not do on that message board very often. And uh, he goes, well, I find it very ironic that Mr. Foxworthy is asking me a question about my animal work. And I was just like, Frank, Frank Walker made fun of my name. I love that. I love that <laughs> like I've arrived. That, that Core feels, memory. <laughs> that feels like the uh, Mark Hamill Groucho Marx moment. So well yeah. done. Good job. Yeah. Yeah. Good job. <laughs> So yeah, so I I mean I I love Frank Welker like he is he is the MVP of this month for us and and just God what a what a he might be the talent. MVP of 1980s animation. 
might be the MVP of like voice work in general. He was yeah, animation like, up, voice work for sure. Up until Scoob, he is the only person to provide the voice of Fred in animation, other than Freddie Prince Jr., who did it like a couple times. When yeah, and he was the live action, right? Um, but the, oh man, Scoob, Scoob like even for everybody. Like there was an episode with um, there's an episode of Family Guy where like they they do a Scooby Doo do joke and literally there's one line and Frank Welker comes in to voice Fred for that one fucking line because he's <laughs> because he he's Frank Welker dedication and, and because and I'm it, pretty sure the man has his own recording studio in his house like you can just email him and he'll just go down do the line send it to you be done most <laughs> of them do most of the big voiceover actors do because it's cheaper than having to rent studio yeah. space just build your own and it pays for itself after like x amount of gigs That's um, most really musicians i know do that too for the same reason um but i like it, it this feels like a passing of the torch kind of movie because this movie features both the new goat and the og goat mel blanc in this yes. movie doing some additional voices and so this feels like a, in a weird way kind of a passing of the torch kind of movie because this i think maybe the first mel blanc movie we've covered this month we have previously covered the jetsons the movie which is weirdly our most downloaded episode of all time Funky. what i was usurped Excuse yeah, oh yes me? oh you've been a, usurped a few Excuse times over i'm sorry to say me? i mean the jetsons the Jetsons, yeah. Uh -huh, that's just how time progresses. <laughs> that's... Uh, we got more downloads on that episode in a month than I think we had on every other episode that we'd ever released in its entire lifespan. So, Interesting. Like, that was, that was for... We released that one right around when the uh, the actual birth date of George Jetson was supposed to be. Oh, right. Oh, there so you go. we basically capitalized yep, yep. on a meme and it worked out really well for us is what happened. It, it, it can, that yeah. That makes a depressing amount of sense. We, I think, what did we happen to cover around the time one of the stars died and it surprisingly did well? Uh, Bedknobs and Broomsticks? Bedknobs and Broomsticks, yes. Yeah, we covered Angel that right Angela Lansbury passed, yeah. 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 R.I.P. Another another goat. Yeah, absolutely. Another absolute legend. Right, and deservedly so. Like she's just she also did a lot of talent. voice work. Yeah, she really did. Yeah. yeah. I mean, speaking of Beauty Howard Ashman, Beast, yeah. she was Beauty and the Beast. Yeah. There's yeah. there is the the best part of the Ashman documentary. If I can go back to that, what am I talking about? Of course I can. It's my podcast. Um, <laughs> the um the one th the, the the thing that makes that worth the price of admission is they actually do have footage of Lansbury and Orbach recording Be Our Guest with Ashman in the studio. Oh, oh that's so cool. Okay. Like, yeah, if you just want to fast forward yeah, to those parts, like, yeah. the rest of it kind of sucks, but that part, yeah. that part is what makes it worth watching. Okay. Is, is being able to see him directing Jerry Orbach, who even in the late 80s is still in, like, is, is basically in full-on 90s grandpa mode. Like, yeah with the the short button up shirt like in the the high waisted pants and just kind of like one hand on his back hip the whole time it's god what a delight Jerry Orbach was <laughs> love that man love that man but yeah i so yeah god um chipmunk adventure bex um let's let's get into the history of the chipmunk brand and the bogdazarians I, I i defer now to you and your expertise info dump all over this some bit i don't have to Sweet. edit this one i don't have to <laughs> know anything on this one this is this is a day off for me uh, okay I'm this. so the creation of alvin and the chipmunks came about when one dude ross bagdazarian senior 
uh, was literally doing the 1950s equivalent of podcasting. <laughs> he was just playing with recording equipment and cutting reel to reel and speeding up recordings uh, of himself singing various um, singing various uh, tracks on on single songs. Right. And in 1958, he released both uh, Witch Doctor and the Chipmunks Christmas song. And it was Aptly suddenly titled a huge the hit. Chipmunk song. Yeah. 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 Um, yeah. yeah. Uh, and yeah, it, they were huge hits. They both hit Billboard number one. So within two years, <laughs> right? To me. That's absolutely nuts. And this dude was literally just cutting stuff together at his house. Like it wasn't, Bex. he was a professional actor. He was like a voice actor. He had this capability, but he just started doing like, I just, dang, did, man. Did you say the guy who created the Chipmunks was nuts? Yes. <laughs> yeah, no, it was <laughs> Worth utterly it. wild. Um, yeah, I just, I, I, mad respect. So they created these characters, and this is all they got. It's a one-trick pony. So they built mm-hmm. the entire company around the ownership of just these characters, yep. and like, and built out from there. Um, so it was first was the 1960s. Car- uh, cartoon that lasted one season the album the show. album show yeah um and then it came back around in like the i want to say 83 was when the new season uh the new show the what was it called the alvin and the chipmunks show alvin, no. alvin and the chipmunks just alvin and it the was chipmunks. just alvin and the chipmunks okay that started ran from 83 to 90 correct and somewhere in uh yeah somewhere in like the mid 80s um the show was doing really well and the bagazarian company was approached by multiple studios who were like hey uh your show's doing really well we would we would make be interested in a movie disney's been shit in the bed lately can you give us something for kids literally it was just like the market's dry we need something to put out that families are going to go see can you write us something right so Ross Bagdasarian Jr. and Janice Carmen, who I feel like is also related to the family. I'm not sure. She would she would marry Ross Bagdasarian Jr. Yeah. I think um, like they either married I think they married during the production of this movie, if I'm not that mistaken. That makes sense. Yeah. So it's literally just a family business. Um the interesting thing is that they did bring on some anonymous director very early on who did basic boards and kind of outline. And who was very quickly ousted and Carmen was put in as director. So Carmen was directing, Bagdasarian was producing, and they both voice all of the fucking characters. Yeah. I mean, Bagdasarian Bagdasarian is Alvin, Simon, and Dave. And Carmen is all three Chipettes and Theodore. And Theodore. Yeah. Um, (laughs) So that's the whole cast. Uh, also, all of the, the 80s, characters. the 80s trope of we need to make this uh, historically all male property marketable to to girls. Girls. L- let's make carbon copies of the actual care of the of the main characters, and, but make oh, them God. girls. Not um, only that, but they're so heavily fashioned for the 80s. Like Britney's yes. in like warmers, for Christ's sake. <laughs> mm, this this sent my my partner and I down a deep, deep rabbit hole. And now we are we are in the process of discussing and examining like the evolution and history of women in animated sitcoms. Like this is this is like a deep well that you've that you've managed to push us down completely by accident. 
<laughs> well, um, I I apologize for that. Uh, no, I don't do, bother. It's fine. I do really appreciate having the opportunity to deeper analyze this because, like, my nostalgia goggles are real hard for this. Like, I I I've loved this movie for most of my life, but as a thirty two year old watching this movie, um, it's really fucked up. <laughs> so let's get into that. Boy, howdy, is it? Ooh, I actually have uh, something. Let's for get it. into the fucked upness of this thing because you're you're not wrong. Like. To say this movie has not aged well is no. um, maybe the biggest understatement that we could pro- it's, it's possibly as say. As gentle as it. it could be said, yeah, yeah. Um, which yeah, is again, so... which is not to say this movie does not have its merits, but oof. So uh, um, this is actually something I have something for to bring to this episode. Uh, I thought I did a little digging a while back. Newsweek article from uh, August fifth, twenty twenty one. Uh, uh, this kid's film branded most problematic ever for sexualizing characters. And um, it's not, I'm going to say, a great article. I feel very bad for saying that. Sorry, Rebecca Flood. But it definitely feels like a, Parker, we need 1,500 words to fill space. Get on it. Um, I'm going to need you to text me that so I can include that in the show notes for this episode. absolutely let me do that right now but uh it 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 feels like uh they just found somebody that was just live tweeting this movie or something like that with uh the uh uh uh, uh, extremely short skirts and all of the worrying uh uh, i guess panty shots which is upsetting to say out loud deeply upsetting i mean if you think it's upsetting to say out loud try watching it yeah Uh, gross (laughs) see I don't know. I, I, because I watched this with nostalgia goggles and I was a little girl myself when watching this, mm. I never sexualized the characters. Like I, that was a context you? that I had. You so, were a child. You exactly. would not have even thought to do that. Right. And they're, and they are also children. So like, it wasn't a thing that made sense in my head. Also like the outfits that are most criticized for being sexualized. Jasmine wears the same fucking thing. Like five years later. <laughs> Very true. I'm I'm not arguing. Like, yeah, no, I. It's, uh, but like yeah, watching it as an 15, adult, no, it's I it's Google it's gross. And and the song they're singing. Yeah, the no. Um, singing, I was so when I was researching the music for this movie, I was really really because I knew it was a mix of of covers and originals. I was really 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 hoping that was a cover. Mm. I was really hoping that that particular song hadn't been specifically written for this film, and it was. The song is, is called. Proud. Getting lucky. Getting lucky. Oh God! And it is, and it after, is exactly what it sounds like. It is after Nancy Cartwright's character, yes, Bart Simpson herself, um, as a based, five-year-old child, as a, as five-year-old, a five-year-old child king in Saudi Arabia, Cairo, uh, in, Egypt. Oh, is it? Yeah. Okay. Yes. You're no. You're right. It is Cairo. You're right. Um, he's credited as Arabian prince, which is why yeah. I. Uh, yeah, but, it's but, gross. It's gross. But he does that fucking laugh. Yeah, no, he just sounds like he, Bart Simpson with a bad accent. He does the Bart accent. Simpson laugh, and it's even more upsetting. It's two yeah. years before Bart Simpson was a, was a thing. Yes. Uh, when Nancy Cartwright was just a work-for-hire voice actress. Yeah. Exactly. Before she became one of the highest-paid voice actors ever in, in, in the industry. Um, this movie is so weird. <laughs> it sells the chipettes into sex slavery, basically. Literally! Like, they get they get trafficked. Yeah, they they are trafficked. This and nine is, year old girls get trafficked. Yeah, not and that, he, like and he's going to marry them. Trafficking. 
And she was very, very against it until she realizes that he's rich and then wants to know how rich he is. This movie is fucked. Um, this movie is so fucking problematic. And now, so they're I, they're they're put in the jasmine outfits, and then in order to escape a room full of snakes, which holds the the thing, the MacGuffins for this movie, um, they in order to charm the snakes to leave them alone, they sing a a song where the chorus is basically, um, "I want to be getting lucky with you." No, it's the entire song. It's while they it's dance with snakes. The entire song. It's essentially the equivalent of like uh, a Billy Joel, um, Only the Good Die Young, uh, mm-hmm. or like a Meatloaf, uh, Paradise by the Dashboard Lights type of it song. Is. Yeah. Except it's being sung by nine-year-old girls. <laughs> Correct. To yeah. to a bunch of, of phallically shaped animals. Yeah. Yeah, it's not great. <laughs> it's not a good look, no. And If um, it was a song that had different context, it'd be great. Because it's a dang, thing, Bex- it's an annoyingly catchy song. <laughs> I'm going to make a confession to you right now. I... Uh, I remembered being able to, it's not, it's not don't worry, I'm not going to come off as a fucking creep here. Um, <laughs> I, I could understand everything the chipmunks and chipettes were saying just fine. As soon as they started singing, I could not understand a fucking word. Yeah. Yeah. Like, uh, I don't know so- why. Part of it, I think, was because I was watching a rip of this movie on YouTube because this movie fair. is not available to stream, download, or rent anywhere. This movie uh, is impossible to find. And then there's me who owns it both on DVD and in digital. Um, yeah what's what it's like this is a topic i come back to constantly the importance of physical media yes you called me a physical media princess i did which is you are yeah um yeah well i just got a new i'm more of a a physical media vassal myself but yeah (laughs) new stack of 4ks today uh arrived today we've got t2 judgment day Evil Dead 2 and Independence Day, which I'm very excited for. But I have Evil Dead it, 2 on 4K. It looks so good. It looks I'm so, so good. Excited. I'm so excited. Just I'm really chasing through the wall scene. <laughs> it's so it yes, Bex, it cannon, looks though. amazing. Ah. My partner's sister was in town a couple months ago and we put that on because she'd never seen it. And oh my god, it looks so gorgeous. It looks Beautiful. so good. Beautiful. Very excited for that. Anyway. But um, yeah, the fact that like, I mean, we, we talked about this uh, um, uh, on a better movie, I'd say Cats Don't Dance a while back, but that's another movie that only got one DVD release at mm-hmm. like the early days of DVD. Uh, it obviously didn't have really any substantive hit at the box office. Um, and now you can't find it anywhere except for in a rental on youtube in a in a three four not its mm-hmm. original it's the final quote-unquote performance of gene kelly yeah the chipmunk yeah. movie is not that movie which is very good right the chipmunk movie suffers unfortunately the same fate to go for 30 dollars for a dvd on ebay because it's out of fucking print and has right. been yeah. for which almost 20 years upset. yep the good news is good news is the girls of rock and roll sequence is available on youtube and you can just watch it whenever you want and it's <laughs> here's the thing great. it's the maybe the best of the part f- of the movie it literally it is. is easily yes uh there are so out of the the in movies, fact if you're listening to this and have never seen this movie before don't watch it just watch that youtube video yeah there Save are for real uh so this film is essentially 20 minutes of of plot setup of absolutely ridiculous plot Mm-hmm. And then um, basically every five minutes you get a song and or montage. Um, that's the right. film. Or both. <laughs> yeah. 
God, that first 20 minutes, though, it takes a while. It does. It's By the time they start singing at minute 2150, I think you timed it out? Yeah. Yeah, something like uh, that. Yeah. Um, it's just like, oh, right. They're a musical act. Yeah. Oh, right. that's what they... Oh, okay. And the first song this that they This is the premise of the show, right. Yeah. So, in, and right off the bat, so basically what ends up happening is we open the film with Dave Seville packing for a business trip. He's going to Europe. He's going to be gone for several weeks. Uh, Alvin is desperate to go with him. He's bored and he really wants to travel and see the world. Uh, Dave leaves and the kids are being babysat by the ever gullible Miss Miller. And um, the kids are, for some reason, they're in like a diner playing a video game on a cabinet which is racing around the world in 30 days. And it's, it's Alvin versus Brittany on these like little digital hot air balloons. Um, Much like this movie. And they're, yeah. And they're making a big ruckus. And over here at this table, we have these two characters who are like generic European bad guys. (laughs) Yes. The most stereotypically ugly bad guys. But with no specific accent, just kind of a generic European Vaguely German. Yeah, it possibly kind of Russian. Like around. it really, like yeah. it's vaguely, very, very Eastern European Slavic yeah, kind of yeah type of deal, and but not specific enough to really recognize. Yeah, and maybe they, maybe they speak, maybe they write in Cyrillic, maybe they don't. Who's to say? Not me. Right. Like so, and they proceed to banter back and forth about uh, their diamond smuggling in public. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, uh, it's yeah, and they overhear the kids talking about wanting to travel and race around the world and so they approach these six children with the offer of flying them around the world completely independently with no supervision in unregistered unregulated uh hot air balloons how many times do you think matt gates has seen this movie (laughs) did he grow up on it i have no fucking idea i I would be surprised I, would I wouldn't be surprised oh what with God, the, the, the whole trafficking children thing. Wolf. God. Oh, man. Oh. So so they just, like, convince these kids to race around the world. And then the kids have to con their babysitter in order to get away. Um, and, like, Simon, the only reasonable one is just begging the adults to please not do this. Because you see, in the 80s, we had shorthand for characters. Um, if he if he had a hat, he was cool. If he had glasses, he was a nerd. And if he was fat, then all he wanted to do was, was eat, eat and talk about eating. The and as genders. a short, fat person, I contain multitudes, okay? <laughs> right. genders, indeed. As a, as a fat person, I contain multitudes, both literally Agreed. and figuratively. Right? <laughs> well, it's, it just goes back to homeboy uh, Orson Welles. Gluttony is not a secret vice. Like... Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Damn straight. Yeah. It's, it's hard to keep it a secret. Own it. Um, we we talked on our Transformers episode about the, you know the sad uh, irony of Orson Welles' last role we being a that, planet. We? we never did. No, oh, we're gonna God, have to go back. We're gonna have to go back to the old format. I love now that movie again. so much. Um, <laughs> that's another one I had on Betamax VHS as a kid. <laughs> yeah, except except it was it was ripped directly off of the television, and I think we were missing one of the five episodes. <laughs> Oh no. So I'm just missing a fifth of the film. <laughs> no big deal. Jesus Your brother wasn't home to hit record on that episode. I bet that movie's literally fucking 4K. Oh, I'm sure it is. Uh, I if have not, that on DVD too. Don't worry about it. <laughs> 1986. 
Oh, God. I'm special. Um, it no, is that's... 2496. You can get it delivered tomorrow on Amazon. Transformers the movie in fucking 4K. There's that's... a fucking steel book. There's a steel book. <laughs> that exists. There's a steel book. They made that? Hope is hitting hitting purchase on that right now. It is cheaper than the regular version of the movie. It's 1799. 4K. Buy now. God damn it. It's got Rodimus fucking prime on the cover with a fucking cube all spark of leader shit i don't give a fuck lord help us all i bought uh, the duck on 4k back delivery so. wednesday i'm gonna put the phone down because i'm clearly a danger to myself <laughs> and honestly our entire audience at this point <laughs> son of a bitch <laughs> son of a bitch that makes me so mad you can't get the fucking man with no name trilogy on 4K, but Transformers the movie is covered. You assholes crying at Optimus Prime. But hope you see that's that 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 film is not cinematically insignificant as it is the final <laughs> film role of of cinematic legend Orson Welles. That is true, and also you know you've got the touch, you've got the power. I hate more bangers that have no right. Everyone, we... I hate. I just. Hmm. You, I mean, you, you should have talked to Tucker about a little more about Transformers the movie, or as, as I told him earlier, it that movie is his personal nine eleven, and he agreed. I want okay. to know what the context of that is, but I'll listen to the episode. If you I, listen to the episode, you will understand the context of that. Uh, yeah. I will. Oh my god, that's ooh, funny. Well, I, I'm not sure. I just had a a nine eleven. I certainly had a minor scuffle in the Gulf War just there. So, <laughs> uh, Christ. <laughs> It's not really a war so much as a conflict, really. God, what are we talking God. about? Oh, Damn fuck. It. Chipmunks, Bugs. right. Fucking chipmunks. Oh, my God. All right. So now let's get to the first song. <laughs> <laughs> this is your doom. Congratulations. <laughs> Welcome to the clubhouse. Yeah, except when you're doing doom, you don't have you sitting next to you. <laughs> I mean, they've got a point there. <laughs> Hope they have a point. <laughs> I apologize, Stephen. No, oh, God, I love you guys so much. I love you guys so much. Christ in heaven. Okay, uh. so we get our first horribly racist stereotype when the boys fly first, their... To be clear, they just said first. <laughs> there are more. <laughs> there are so I'm not even including Klaus and Claudia more. as bad I, racial I, I, stereotypes. Yeah. yeah. It's um, it's all I have to offer as far as an opinion on that is kind of vague stutters. Uh, 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 so we get our first nope, bad stereotype when the boys fly into Mexico City, God. and we get really terrible representations of Mexican peoples. I watched this uh, two days ago, and I'd already blocked this out of my memory. I'm so sorry. Um, yeah, that's correct. And uh, it all just came flooding back. God, we get we get a really bad racist cover of the chipmunks doing a medley of two songs mm -hmm. um one called i i i i and the other called quanto me gusto i think quanto me gusto yeah quanto yeah me gusto, and yeah. it's yeah and and uh it, it's bad it's bad <laughs> the architecture well, and... is made out of sombreros yeah there's yes. a, ta a taco a taco a taco restaurant that is probably a front considering what they are doing there. Yes. Um, and, and of course, Theodore attempts to order 
every tacos. single Mexican entree that exists in the world. Because again, his character consists of food. And that his is, entire plot throughout the entire uh, film is just food being taken away from you him. You know what? Yes. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm, I'm gonna step to the defense of Theodore and say that he is on his own personal eat, pray, love. That's fair. And he keeps getting the eat taken away from him. He's also like a vegetarian, and it's not like his requests are super outlandish most of the time. He no. has found his bliss. Chase it. No, look, I'm, I am all for that. Yes, but I. It it sucks because it the fat character is always the one who's reduced to Agreed. that. Yeah. Agreed. Yeah. I have and, also and I literally is... had this discussion with an author about one of my favorite books once, and I was like, why is the fat character only food based? And his response and... was, That character's actually based on my mom, and she shows her she shows her love by feeding everybody. And I was like, I will accept that this one time. That is my mom, but my mom is also plant-based and has, like, really turned her health around. So she feeds everybody, but, like, she only eats, like, five things. That's not uh, true. My mom okay. actually eats all sorts of, all sorts of like, really great <laughs> vegan vegetarian food. But, yeah. like, that is how it's, my mother shows her love, is by feeding. That is 100%. Not it's not five things. That's ridiculous. It's seven. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's, it's more like 56. My mom is... Like, <laughs> My mom is the expert on finding like every permutation of every, like my mom has had more kinds of hummus than you or I have ever heard of. I believe it. That's, That's great. Terrifying. I, love that. I love my mother. She is an amazing I... person. Oh man. And even like the one time he almost gets a plate of food. It's, it's, it's couscous. But my yeah. couscous. I love that. Is my, one of my favorite lines of dialogue but my ever. Couscous! But so, my couscous. It's so sad. That's the Oscar clip for this movie. <laughs> no, let's no, because this movie was not no, even considered for Oscar. So much Rightly so. That line. <laughs> I mean, considering that Brave Little Toaster was your other option, that's obviously the Oscar winner. Um, <laughs> yeah, the other option this year was TV movie Scooby Doo meets the Boo Brothers. So, oh, yeah, God. but that was made for TV. So, yeah, it doesn't yeah, get that right. doesn't count. Yeah. Maybe up for um, Emmys. So we get all right. So yeah, we get horribly racist Mexican stereotypes, and then uh, it turns out the butler of Klaus and Claudia is like listening in on their phone calls, and they have a nemesis whose henchmen are chasing the kids. Right. This is where it gets really weird. It's so convoluted, and it's and then when you find strange. out who his contact is, it becomes even more convoluted because the way he's like, styled. You would yeah, think you that think he's another shady, like, bad guy. He's, and... he's, he's Vito Corleone. Yeah. He's and then Marlon the Brando in The Godfather. turns out that he's a detective for Interpol. And what I'm thinking is, why are these two henchmen attacking the kids when they could very easily, like, approach them as government agents? Because and say, then hey, there wouldn't I think be a you're movie. in danger. Then this would just be an episode of the TV show and not a feature-length film released in theaters nationwide. <laughs> That's a fair point. Um, yeah, but like that's just it's the most ridiculous thing is that these these two government agents would be chasing these children aggressively around the world and not like just trying to take them into custody because they are children unaccompanied. Yeah, a, a, a gr two groups of unaccompanied minors being trafficked. <laughs> is, and, and trafficking. They are both being trafficked and trafficking. And trafficking. Yeah. Mm. Like, it's, yeah, it's nuts. That's what a tangled nuts. web this movie attempts yeah. to weave. Who watches The Watchmen indeed? And then we, we get this great underwater sequence where the girls, it's absolutely beautiful, 
the animation is gorgeous. The girls Absolutely. go scuba diving to retrieve one of their dolls and get attacked by a shark. Yep. And Brittany literally gets like almost eaten. Yep. She's she is in the jaws of the shark. And her sisters have to save her. Yep. And they never say smile you son of a bitch. Well they don't say anything. The it's, air it's, tank it's actually gets caught a fully yeah. It's, yeah, it's a fully nonverbal sequence. It's entirely just um, orchestral and uh, body language. Yeah, yeah, it's it's really beautifully done. Like prelude I, I for hate... Little Mermaid, really. Yeah, a lot of this movie it has a lot of, and I guess it makes sense if it was the same animators who went on to do all the Disney Renaissance stuff. Like a lot of the stuff in here is weirdly noticed and present later on in the Disney Renaissance films. Right. Uh, it it yeah. still blows my mind that you just told me that Glenn Keane did this film. <laughs> Look, if that is the one thing I can contribute to your vast recesses of knowledge on this film, I am happy to do so. I have a couple of friends who went into professional animation and like I I only know of Glenn Keane because my, my one friend has been obsessed with him since we were 10. <laughs> I mean, you know what? Same. I was a huge animation kid and Glenn Keane was like the name I knew. I will not tell you why Glenn Keane was the name I knew, but he was the name I knew. Actually, that's not true. Glenn Keane and Andreas Deja were the two names I knew. Oh, that's, okay, that's now also I, a very good name. Now oh, I have to tell you great. how I know Glenn Keane. So oh, Glenn Keane was in my church growing up. They would have these little like free magazines. And apparently Glenn Keane was a Christian who did an interview with one of these magazines. Oh, that's cute. And I picked it up because it had a Disney character on it. So I picked it up and brought it home and, and read all about Glenn Keane's profession of faith and how he uses his faith every day as a Disney animator. Or something. I don't know. Hmm. But interesting considering the other name you listed was Andreas Deja. Correct. Who yes. is who is the guy who was the gay animator who animated most of the Disney villains and queer coded them. Queer coded all of them. Yeah. Accident, sure. Yeah. Well, I, I representation coming from the in the inside the house. Like I don't know. <laughs> yes. <laughs> the representation representation is coming from inside, inside the, house. the house. Oh Jesus Christ. <laughs> Oh yeah, God. and he also uh, Deja was also the animator. I think he did Belle in Beauty and the Beast too. Like that, that would make sense. Yeah, I yeah. know he did Jafar. I know he did Ursula. He did Scar. Um, yeah, he's he's the guy. He yeah. was the other side of making Disney a little gay in the early '90s because the other side of that was obviously. Ashman. I was going to say the Ashman Deja <laughs> Difecta is just mwah, Chef's kiss. No notes. Aces. <laughs> I'm learning so many things this episode. This is great for me. Oh, you didn't know that I knew the queer Disney history? <laughs> no, I, I knew that. It's there I is like a, these subjects to come up organically and come. There is a great. There's a great YouTube creator that I follow called Matt Baum. And he like he does like TV and film queer queer TV and film history. He's an incredible resource for this. But he does a whole video on Disney queer coding. Well, like, I'm the gonna look Disney villains. Yep. Do it. Gonna look that Do up right it. Now. What, is, what is that name? One more time. Matt Baum. I'll type it. I'll type it in the chat. Matt Baum. B a u m e. Oh, there's an e at the end. My bad. Yeah, there's an e. Um, yeah. Uh, oh man. So speaking of queer, the the fact that the the villains in this are siblings is a weird take. Hmm. Mm-hmm. I have no idea why adult siblings would choose to behave in the way that these two behave. But that's like kind of a fuck. But that's kind of a fucked up dynamic. Like it's 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 very similar, and this is going to sound really fucked up as soon as I say it. But bear with oh me. It's very similar to the dynamic in Crimson Peak. Okay. But that's also okay. very much a, a dynamic that carries on through a lot of like gothic, yeah, storytelling. That's um, fair. 
and of course those are two incestuous siblings but you know the idea that they're these two siblings that live with each other two siblings of opposite gender that live with each other well into adulthood either they're both queer or there's something else going on yeah is Mm. kind of the the... well in in this case you know they're running an international diamond smuggling ring uh so they're in but who's to say they who's to say both can't be true that's fair I mean, look, uh, I could run I, I could run a business with someone. All, it doesn't mean I have to live with them, right? That's very true. That is very too. true. Yeah. Um, okay, so where were we? We yeah, so But we then again, you really can't have it all sometimes. Fuck, why did true. I just say that? God, what is wrong with me? <laughs> I hate myself and that was and, fucked up, Steven. And good don't job. blame you for hating me. No, you're it's, good. You're great. We love mm, you. Um mm. so anyway, we get into one of the banging original uh songs in the next montage sequence where it's oh literally God. just them traveling around the world it's a montage mm-hmm. it's great yeah and it's gorgeous and for the most part we don't get any racist images for, for the, the most, most part. part in this particular montage right um it's mostly just vistas uh and like the kids doing cute shit which is legit. Um, the vistas are the best part. The backgrounds in this movie yeah, are... Yeah, no, absolutely beautiful. There are multiple shots where yeah. it's just gorgeous, and you've got this beautiful orchestral overlay, and the kids are singing this great original song called... I. Uh, we're off to see the world? Yes, we're off to there see the go. world. Um, which gets stuck in my, my head all the time. I love it. playlist, and I hate that. You're welcome. <laughs> yeah, thanks. Um, my, th- just how beautiful this movie is is kind of my problem with it. Because it's like this pre, again, talking about just like animation in the 80s, because Disney mm. was so out of it, really. They were it's fucking Xeroxing a, shit, yeah. Yeah, but like you can see in this movie, like the character animation is just excellently well done. In the bigger sequences of the movie, um, the the expressions on all of the characters, the chipmunks, especially in the chipettes, all of the chip people... Kids. Chip kids? Is that what they're called? I mean, that's what I call them. Okay, that makes sense. Fair I literally enough. just call all them of kids. the chip kids. The chip children, the, the chiprin, yeah. the, ch- the chippins, the younglings. All of the younglings have really just gorgeous, fluid animation to them, and, uh, uh, and even certain set piece sequences, like the initial, you know, lift off for the race where they're crashing all over the place. Oh yeah, Simon's gets... not actually in the basket like it's right really beautifully done and you can also see like in the the edges of some of them when there's like a lot of elements on the screen you can see the shadows behind the cells of the characters casting the shadow on the painted background images because they've stacked so many yeah. of these uh painted cells on top of one so another pretty. if i'm remembering correctly little mermaid is the last disney ver- movie to do that and after that they're scanning everything digitally mm-hmm. mm. so i really missed that texture to the animation i mean speaking of scooby-doo you see that all the time when like fred's neck changes color because they've put too many layers of fucking shaggy three frames over right yeah so yeah yeah. i i i love how this movie is textured and animated Mm -hmm. and that just it it goes up against all of the problematic shit in this movie which is it's a weird balance it, and and that's what makes this movie so wildly infuriating mm. is you is it it is such a i i can't believe i'm about to make this comparison oh do it birth of a nation like, <laughs> what you have please, this film please elaborate you have this film oh. that is 
the most disgustingly racist piece of shit ever committed to film. But then on, but then you have, it is also incredibly cinematically significant because of what it brings to the table with regard to establishing shots and the way the narrative is constructed through the editing. And like, there are things that that movie does that had never been done in cinema before. And so on that level, it is very groundbreaking. But on the other hand, it's a movie about the fucking clan. Yeah. Uh, Jesus. That's wild. That's... And you would, and and you think that that's a decent comparison to this, just because there are maybe Gone with the Wind is closer. Maybe Gone with okay, the yeah. Wind. Okay, yeah. Oh, that yeah. one feels a little safe because it's not mm. like yeah, no, because it's not mm. like the racism is integral to the plot. It's more just you know poor framing devices. Sure. And and like poor poorly executed I mean, caricatures. Every fifteen minutes in this movie, you get this gorgeous animated Bjorvura. Uh, uh, sequence and every half hour in Gone with the Wind you get a, a title card coming up saying hey General Sir Sherman wrecked more shit upon the Confederacy let's go team right um, yeah um, so I guess it amounts to about the same equivalency yeah no, that's a pretty good comparison right there. <laughs> okay forget I said the first thing let's focus only on the second thing god I'm gonna get cancelled this episode this is what happens when my co-hosts aren't here Whoops. here's the thing though Whoops. Tucker would probably we also make the you. Tucker would probably also make the Birth of a Nation comparison. I don't. Tucker was not okay with this movie, which is he fair. didn't like it's it. Yeah, completely no, and totally no. fair. Um, yeah, and so, it, and you know what? That is fine. Look, there's a lot to dislike about this movie. Yeah, and there we, is. We're, we're talking about all of it. We're not going to pretend like yeah. it's not there. God no. in heaven, we can't. Um, no, I mean the next the next sequence that we get to is the best sequence in the film. Ah, uh, the girls of rock and roll, which is this badass original rock duet between the chipettes and the chipmunks that takes place in like rome it uh, um, athens athens it's directly in athens yeah yeah uh in, in in greece and we get these these excellent you know portrayals of the, of the parthenon and like uh they're, they're the, cartoonified the ruins. versions yeah I believe, but yeah yeah uh and and it's, it's but they look good they look beautifully so good. done and, and the, the only and the only actual like locals that get depicted are like three priests. Yeah, <laughs> yeah orthodox. Three orthodox yeah. priests. Right. Which, and, you know, have have that very distinct orthodox look, which rad as hell. I, I yeah, love the orthodox look. I mean, but I think that there's a difference between just portraying characters of a specific, like, culture and, and, and visual style mm-hmm. uh, and specifically racist characters. Yes. So that one, I think, was less bad because no, it's just because one quick shot and it's not prolonged and it's not yeah that is more representational than yeah it, than the rest of what this movie is real than a lot of the other stuff um yeah most of the so, other stuff let's be honest it's like it's like good it's two scenes specifically that stick in uh, three scenes specifically that stick in my mind um but yeah it's and one good. of those is like the major end, like the, yeah, the no, it's major most penultimate the, set piece. Yeah, two uh. of them are the second half of the movie. Um, <laughs> yeah. Leading, oh, leading, uh, yeah, yeah. Leading up yeah. to the finale sequence, it's and most look, of we've that. mentioned both of them already. So yeah, so we get the girls of rock and roll sequence, which is fucking spectacular. I, it's great. Um, it's an original song written for the film. It's really well done. It's a lot of fun. And if you watch any sequence of this movie, check this one out. Yeah. Legitimately, like, just watch that. Don't do not bother with the rest of the movie. Just watch yeah, that. The, the that vo- and and the off to see the world. Those are the only two worth watching. Okay. <laughs> I, would I will concede also, off to see the world. I would also recommend looking up somebody on YouTube um, 
uh, put it together, but they uh, slowed down the vocals of the girls of rock and roll uh, to be human the real levels? human voices. Yeah. And that version is weird. I recommend I if, if you're going to jam out to one, do the one directly from the movie with the high-pitched voices because the chipettes um, in their, you know, unedited tones sound like real human beings and it's very good. But because the chipmunks are cranked up even harder in the mix, mm -hmm. they sound like the kids from South Park and it's yes. upsetting. It it's is. very upsetting. It's very nasal. It it's, is, um, yeah. it's yeah it's because uh, you have mm. to distinguish them from one another somehow yeah. because when everybody's voice is squeaky you it'll just sound like this giant like squeaky wheel like the whole movie yeah, <laughs> um but yeah we get That's this, this, this excellent kid. stadium rock number with girls of rock and roll and then the movie gets bad um <laughs> and then the movie just gets bad and then it well and then it becomes unforgivable yeah honestly oh. It, yeah. it gets it gets atrocious at that point uh, because from uh, Girls of Rock and Roll we move into the really really horrible shit, uh, which is where the kids start getting victimized by the bad aforementioned trafficking. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the kids start getting trafficked, and so basically the girls fly to Cairo. They get captured. They get trafficked. They get dressed up like Jasmine. It's bad. It's, it's very bad. bad. <laughs> um, there's but on the bright the, side, there's a baby oh, penguin. Which is also animal trafficking. Uh, right. So, <laughs> because, you know, it's it's this wee little penguin that was stolen right. from they're, the they're wild. They're going to be convicted of um, carrying a Frank Welker across the border. And, That's, uh, yeah. Yeah, so. Just, just, guys, let's leave Frank Welker where he is. He's fine. He's doing great. We love Frank Welker. Let's just leave him where he is. We don't need to, yeah. we don't need to take him, him across any him, borders. Let's, let him be. The man's done a lot of work. Let him rest. If, yeah. You know what? If, if he wants to travel across the border, let, let that be his decision, okay? Let's, <laughs> let's not you and I try to make that decision for him, please. Exactly. No, we don't need to take Frank, Frank Welker anywhere in a hot air balloon. Um. Or any other means of conveyance. <laughs> he, he will go when he is called. Correct. Yes. Where he is needed, Frank Welker will be there. Um, oh man, great, fantastic, wonderful aces. Uh, anyway, so we get the We're horrible, having a great time. We, yeah, so we get the, the really awful, um, the, the kids being trafficked, the whole Arabian prince voiced by Nancy Cartwright, uh, <laughs> who is literally like portrayed as a child king who is just like, no, I lay claim to these girls, they are my property now, put them in a side room until I can add them to my harem as an adult, which is like. I will marry the pretty one, not the nerdy or fat one. Yeah. But she's also the one who's fighting the hardest, which scares the crap out of me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. She's the one who's yelling and screaming and kicking to be released. Yep. Accurate. Scares the living shit out of me. Gross. Um, yeah, no, not great. It's, it's weird because this has always been a bit of a guilty pleasure for me, but like having the opportunity to just actually analyze it, it's just gross. It is. And like, I don't know, this has always been a comfort movie. I will probably continue to at least watch the first half of it uh, yeah. as as a comfort movie. Um, and maybe just fast forward right to the right to the finale when yeah. it gets entertaining again. Right. Um, because the, while the girls are being trafficked, the boys are being captured by natives in one of the worst portrayals, actually probably the worst portrayal in the film mm -hmm. uh, where the natives are just portrayed in in, in really horribly racist ways in that and like 
Alvin is even talking to them in like the horribly stilted, stereotypical Native American dialect that we attributed to that group of people for a regrettably long time. And that was very common in media throughout, I want to say like the 50s and 60s. Mm -hmm. I would hope that by the 80s it had reduced a bit, but I guess not. Nope. Um, Sure has. Yeah, it was bad. It's bad. It's bad. Really does, yeah. Um, so we get this I mean, whole... we just stopped making Native Americans mascots like five years ago. Actually, well, we haven't that. even because the high school that we graduated from more than a decade ago still has said racist mascot with the racial slur as the name. Oh, it's a it's an constant, ongoing controversy. Yeah. And like the students and the community have been fighting it forever. And the school board just will not relent. Like like we were writing articles about it in 2002 the high school newspaper so it's just it's been 20 yeah. years of like hey maybe this is a bad idea and they still haven't <laughs> it like sucks. gotten the message well i guess the professional sports let me say the professional sports have just started within the last five years uh as we all know it, it takes uh small-minded small-town people a lot longer to acquiesce to stuff like that you say that but i went to an atlanta braves game like two summers ago oh god okay yeah that's, yeah and the tomahawk you know what? was still a thing and i was disgusted it's all fucked yeah Maybe that's the motto. It's all fucked. And it's uh, infuriatingly, like, more invasive than you even really think about. It really is. It's disturbingly. Because, like, this is the shit that I grew up on. I have these ingrained biases that I need to examine and educate myself out of and need to constantly work to do that. Because Mm -hmm. this is the media that we were exposed to our whole lives. And we picked up stuff from that that is problematic and toxic and that we really need to examine. And it's, it's, and the reason we were exposed to it is because our parents weren't examining Mm -hmm. it. They were just, Mm -hmm. well, this is what I grew up on. So this is what, and so many parents are doing the same things and realizing, Oh fuck, this is, this is fucked. Yeah. And you know what? Those are the conversations, those are the things we should be realizing, honestly. And that's one of the things I love about our generation as parents is we are examining these things and we're having these conversations. And, like, I appreciate the fact that Disney Plus now has a warning about, you know, this was made in a time when and these things are unacceptable now. HBO Max, they they, they are now and have always been unacceptable. Like, uh, HBO Max for the Looney Tunes cartoons does that as well. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, the one, the one that hurt, the ones that hurt me the most are the ones that came on before Muppet Show reruns on Disney Plus. Like, those are the ones that hurt my Muppet loving heart. Uh, um but i watch those episodes and i'm like fuck yeah that's a problem and then that's... the funny thing is that you go back and sometimes depending it wasn't as problematic as you think it was like bugs bunny's drag looks the fact that bugs bunny was portrayed not necessarily it was portrayed for laughs but bugs wasn't playing it for laughs bugs was perfectly comfortable wearing a dress and heels <laughs> Bugs yeah. is one of my favorites i have had multiple people at work come up to me uh uh and be like hey i need to ask you is Bugs Bunny offensive? No. No. Bugs is an icon. Bugs is a trans icon. <laughs> Bugs. Bugs. You heard it here first, folks. Maybe not first, but you heard it here no, most this recently. Is, this is Bugs consensus. Bunny. Bugs is, Bugs uh, Bunny is a queer icon. <laughs> One of the few things that I can comment on safely, like in the ongoing culture war. Yes. Because happy Pride, everybody. Yeah. Happy Pride. Happy Pride. <laughs> like yeah, yesterday but... was Chicago's Pride Day. Like, nice. so like everybody was out in full force. Like it was, nice. it was a wild time. Yeah. Philly, Philly got ours out of the way early. Yeah. Month, we were so, beginning yeah. of the month. I think Milwaukee, I think I saw is doing it this weekend too. So right on. yeah. Well, yeah, um... that makes sense. You know, we in the Midwest like to push things to the last minute if we can. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, it's, it's so for sure i love oh man 
there's so much but so we get into the really racist really racist portrayals and then we get a really awful rendition of wooly bully which is the other cover in this movie which was again one of the two memories of this movie that i had to be fair i did not remember the racist shit i just remembered the set piece of them on the burning yeah the uh, sacrifice feet yeah yeah like the little sacrificial dais getting burned and dropped on the the crocodiles like that was what i remembered yeah because it's terrifying and traumatic right but they're also singing this characters come very close to death but they're singing a fun song they're singing a very fun song and that makes it that makes it adventurous instead of horrifying and we're gonna play it for for laughs and there's a lot of you know comedic gags in that particular scene uh that also come off really really offensive nowadays because of the characters and the caricatures being portrayed and it's bad oh Mm -hmm. man so at that point, when the boys are being sacrificed, the girls show up and save them because they, on a field trip to Antarctica to return a baby penguin, have finally <laughs> figured out the plot of the movie in that the, the toys that they are trafficking are actually packed with cash and gems. It Not make... that you would feel the, 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 the right? rough, roughness of the diamonds or the, the, the crinkliness of the cash. You get one gag when uh, Theodore and Jeanette are handed the um, trunks at the beginning of the, of the race that they're really heavy only gag right. we get yep and somehow they haven't figured out nope. until now Mm-mm. what the heck they're doing Which, like again, my this is a very well-weighted uh yeah. is this a is this a proto beanie baby or like um, <laughs> or just like a weighted stuffed animal because they make those now they do um, yeah but like yeah no it's absolutely nuts so the girls figure out the plot and they oh after another montage with another song while they travel to antarctica very very sweet little uh ballad called my mother um mm-hmm. and then yeah they they have to go save the boys and then we get into the finale in which the kids just kind of scrape home in a mm-hmm. one barely functional uh air balloon yeah and then we get this ridiculous chase through an airport it is ridiculous ridiculous is the word to yet another banger this is also a montage <laughs> laid out over an original uh, which is, I think, sung by only the Chipettes. It's called Diamond Dolls, and it is surprisingly it is. good. I've, it, I have noticed a recurring the- theme in the uh, the Chipmunk movies that you have shown me is that the Chipettes always have the better numbers. Eh. Or if it's a shared number, they get the front. They're the front-loaded part of the song. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah, yeah. It's such a good song. It is the song of the movie. That and the Girls of Rock and Roll. Those are the songs yes. of the movie. But Diamond Dolls is so good. Even though they play it at the end of the movie, they also play it over the closing over the credits. credits. Yeah, um, yeah, it is. It's really good. Uh, and they get it's this great chase where the kids are still in their ridiculous final costumes. Of the boys are in loincloths and the girls are still in the jasmine costumes. So it's yeah, bad. It's real bad. Bad. And um, I feel like the chipmunks, because of what they typically wear, they should not have torsos you know what i mean oh this is best illustrated in girls of rock and roll it's so funky Mm -hmm. yeah because in the girls of rock and roll they can be so violently squatchy squashy stretchy rubber bandy yeah and then they have like humanoid bodies under there and it's like oh no see that's the thing the boys because they have those big oversized tunics are just kind Mm -hmm. of squashy stretchy like yeah just barely and then the girls are very very humanoid because they are designed with those 80s fashions i think i would be more on board with the creation of the chipettes if they were also 
weird amorphous blobs wearing long t-shirts you know what i mean i would be okay with that too because it would make them more like children that would be so fucking funny too i mean yeah, like, bas- the chipmunks are basically shirt tails yeah with longer shirts yeah oh, remember man. shirt tails <laughs> i don't think i do actually that might have been before my time that's like an 80s deep cut tails is spelled of course like the story but yeah i don't think i know this one shirt tails yeah there are these various animals with like different uh, messages on their shirts. Oh, that's they're adorable. Huh. Okay. Yeah. That's like an early eighties. That's an early eighties. Yeah. They they were like they also I was... look like they're designed more for preschoolers. Like they look like they're designed for very small children. Right. And I only say that as with the context of having worked as a preschool teacher. Sure. Um... Oh yeah, there it is. Nineteen eighty three. Okay. Yeah, yeah. No I was I was barely around. I have only the vaguest of recollections of shirt tails. But. You're the same age as my brother, and also the get, get along gang. References. <laughs> also the get along gang. If that you don't name, know, I do remember. Yeah, the get along gang. Another one for very very young children that I remember from my my early early youth. I, huh. I'm kind of enjoying okay. watching Hope Google all of these in real time and getting a, a sense for them. Oh, no, I'm going to drop the fucking uh, Avengers Endgame of fucking uh, uh, 1980s cartoons at the end of this episode. So. I'm pretty sure I tweeted that out when everyone was doing the most ambitious crossover thing around Infinity War. I'm pretty sure I dropped did. that post. You probably yeah. did. You probably did. I don't know if you're familiar, uh, Bex, but just, yeah, it's going to be good. Well, we're getting towards the end because we've gotten to the end of the movie. We have. Yeah. Um, which is where Klaus and Claudia are finally arrested, thanks to Miss Miller's terrible driving. Yes, um, as she's on but her she's way to the airport to pick up. Terrible singer, and, and also so gullible that she completely relinquishes care for these children. The only songs she knows are songs written by Ross Bogdasarian Senior. <laughs> yeah, yeah, ones that they already had the rights to. She mm. sings. She sings uh, "Witch Doctor" and uh, "Come to My House." Which I don't think was written by Bagdasarian. Wasn't that a really I, famous song that was covered by Eartha Kitt? I, I, it may have been covered by Eartha Kitt, but I am pretty sure it was written by Bagdasarian because they had the rights to it, which is the only reason she was singing it. Hmm. Okay. I'm That's amazing wrong. if the Eartha Kitt cover is what has kept the chipmunks afloat <laughs> since, since then. Like, that would be amazing. I doubt it. The chipmunks make a Here lot of money. Come On to My House is a song performed by Rosemary Clooney and originally released in 1951. It was written by Ross Bogdazarian and his cousin, Armenian-American Pulitzer Prize-winning author William Saroyan, while driving across New Mexico in the summer of 1939. Thank you, Wikipedia. Okay, is, is, okay. I knew, I I forgot that it was Rosemary Clooney, but yeah. Are the Bogdazarians the uh, Rosencrantz and Guildenstern of the animation world? Is that what's Maybe. going on? That's a like, They're living this other weird-ass wild alternate storyline. Is that what's happening? Probably. So, well, one of the interesting things is that there are only like this is the only animated um, cinematic Correct. Alvin and the Chipmunks movie. All the other animated Alvin and the Chipmunks movies were either direct-to-video or TV releases. Right, right. And then it's this... And the fucking uh, live action series. Insane. The 2007 yeah. to present live action series. 
Jason Lee becomes the first person to play Dave Seville, whose last name is not Bagdasarian. It's not Bagdasarian. Yeah. Yeah. Good. Um, Congratulations. And he hated every second of it. And he was mm-hmm. so mad that his contract was for as many movies as it was because he didn't oh, no. think that more than one movie would be successful. He was so mad about having to continue to pursue the series. No, that's, that's, he also that's was not... the voice of Underdog in the crappy Underdog movie that we'll probably have to cover on this podcast one day. Oh, wow. I don't think that was Jason Lee, was it? Hang yeah, on. it absolutely is. It was Jason yeah. Lee? Yeah. I thought it was the other guy on the chipmunks no no it's david cross was in alvin and the chipmunks but jason lee was dave seville yeah huh okay wow i've been getting a different story in my head for years that's nice yeah okay, and he good. was so disgusted with having to do multiple films yeah and who blames him <laughs> who here blames him oh no one okay good literally yeah. nobody yeah um yeah so like everything else was all the tv and music um but as far as films go it's this and the new stuff yeah. And the Chipmunk song, which is on every Christmas compilation mm-hmm. forever. Mm-hmm. I mean, let's be honest. They would be millionaires if that was it. Yeah. Yeah. If that was it, they yeah. would still be millionaires. That they... and Witch Doctor. Yeah. Just... Yeah. But 100%. no, they, they decided to create characters and animated features and milk it for as long as they could. Although I did see that I think in 2021, the property was placed up for sale. They actually have finally reached the point where they are ready to retire and they are ready to sell the rights. What's to it going for? Is it in our budget? It, it is absolutely not in our budget. <laughs> I think it was Paramount was maybe who I saw that was oh, interested, man. but this was two years ago and nothing has been solidified. So, um, yeah, that was like at the very bottom of the Wikipedia page, which surprised the shit out of me. That is a travesty. Can I just say? On November 2nd, 2021, it was announced that the company and the Chipmunks franchise was being put up for sale for $300 million. Paramount Global, formerly Viacom CBS, was reported to be an interested buyer, but nothing. I can't, I, I can't imagine none of the kids are interested in that legacy. Like, right. Like at that point, (laughs) I mean, it's literally been your entire life. And like these characters that are not remotely popular, although there was a new TV show that came, they redesigned them again in 2015 Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, for the new new TV show. The new new Yeah. It's still going. The new redesign is fucking cursed. I believe I, it. I'm oh not. No. I don't. I don't need to see it. I, I'm, I'm good. It so much this episode. Oh no! Oh, oh no! Not Ow. okay. Thank you for that, Nightmare Ow. Fuel. Oh, it's worse because the first fucking poster is this ascent of man evolution yes. thing. They're, oh god! They're, they've officially become too anthropomorphic. Mm-hmm. I would like to yeah. point out though that at the bottom of the um at the bottom of the uh, poster. The, the the word Bagdazarian is in a great big font with a uh, Alvin hat a, on top of the A. That's, yeah, that's their logo. That's I hate everything. Look at them. That is their logo. They're no, I don't want to look at them. They're, They're terrifying. Monsters. Oh no, um, I did. I this is this was the rabbit hole I went down last night. Ugh. Yikes. Well, no, it's interesting because like I have the DVD that has the double. Uh, I recently got it off Amazon. Thank you, Amazon. <laughs> um, that has the double release of uh, Meet the Frankenstein, Meet Frankenstein, and Meet the Wolfman. And right. there's a significant difference between the quality of animation between the two films. Uh, Frankenstein came first. It is worse story, badly pulled off, and you can immediately tell that the quality of animation is worse because for once the chipmunks don't have blue eyes; their eyes are brown. <laughs> right like i hope I, someone it, got fired for that blunder immediately oh it's like God. oh you, you just didn't even yeah, put the effort into actually doing this the right way 
Right. And then you get to Wolfman and it's suddenly a good story that actually feels like a universal monster movie. And, and they look the Wolfman was always again. my favorite of those monsters. So I'm I'm glad to see that they did at least that part right. So. If you can find it anywhere, you can't. But if you can find it anywhere, it's great. Um, right. <laughs> I've looked Touché. for years, but if you can pirate it somewhere, that's probably your only option. I mean, God you know, I'm, I'm sure Hope can help me out there if if, if she was oh, so no, inclined. Oh, no, no, no. We, we have, um, there are ways that a Jedi wouldn't teach you. <laughs> uh, uh, <laughs> so, Hope, drop drop a, drop a, drop a mind fuck on us. All right, to, so, I mean. As we head, to the, head toward the end. I kind yeah, of sort of lied at the beginning of the episode when, like, I didn't really have too much exposure to the chipmunks because the chipmunks kind of almost headline something that, unfortunately, greatly and violently impacted the next 20-odd years of my life. And mm-hmm. it's called Cartoon All-Stars to the Rescue, a TV movie that debuted on April 21st, 1990. It mm-hmm. is a half-hour Saturday morning program that was simulcast on all major American news networks all at once, and it is all about various cartoon characters coming together to teach kids that drugs are bad. And you know who voices the the the, the smoke drug monster? You say it, please. Say Academy it. Award winner George C. Motherfucking Scott. The, what? It's General Patton himself. It's yes. Truly, the, the, the cast list alone for this movie is what I'm going to tell you about, because I do think we should cover it for an episode of our podcast. That you absolutely should. Amazing. Can I please um, come with, along for that one? Please yes, do. Yes. I'm suggesting it for April 20th of next year. Sounds great. Second, but yes. Um, okay. So the cast, I'm just going to read you some highlights here. Going in descending order from uh, credit order, uh, Ross Bagdasarian Jr., uh, Jeff Bergman is Bugs Bunny, Daffy Duck. Um, you've got Jim Cummings as a Tigger and Winnie the Pooh. Um, let's see. This one's my favorite, personally. Danny Goldman as Brainy Smurf. Danny Goldman, not somebody that you might know, but if you see his picture, he's the nerd that corrects yeah. in fucking Young Frankenstein. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. Like, um, uh, uh, there's Janice Carmen as Theodore. Uh, it's Lorenzo Music as Garfield. Um, George C. Scott. There's Frank Welker, Barbara Bush, George Bush, and Paul Fusco as Alf. This movie ruined my... This movie kept me away from weed for years, and I get to directly blame the chipmunks because fucking Theodore has the fucking choice quote in the fucking movie let me see if i can find it and pull it up yes marijuana an unlawful substance used to produce artificial highs artificial my ass that is the line <laughs> that theodore speaks in the show and Tell this him is, and and this movie like this and the fucking goddamn dare program got me so off and away you, from drugs i couldn't get my went, personal shit together until i was 30 fucking two because that's how long you went on a the, dare rabbit yeah. hole last night i was getting those texts there's an entire section in the dare wikipedia article about studies proving effectiveness and it is enlightening one of them done by by the the University of my great home state of Indiana. So Whoa. that was my chief exposure to the chipmunks as a small child. Interesting. So, there we go. There yeah. we go. April that was first, nineteen ninety. Fuck you, Reagan. Fuck you, Bushes. 
fuck you, George C. Scott, for being so good as the villain, I guess. I will tell you, Hope, that movie did not keep me off drugs. Uh, Jesus did that for me for a while. <laughs> oh, but oh. what that movie did do for me was create an, a, an absolute love of cinematic shared universes. Because if <laughs> I could see all of my favorite cartoons coexisting in one place, then anything is fucking possible. Now, what does that fucking say for... Okay, so you, Jesus, kept you away from drugs. Okay, Garfield kept me away from drugs. What does that say about me? I've <laughs> done Jim two Davis is one rips. of the lesser deities for you. I've or? been high all goddamn day. And here if we are. If any cartoon character liked marijuana, it would be Garfield. It would be Garfield. Well, that's why he was just a walk on cameo. He had yeah. eight seconds in the show. That's why, because he was getting right. lit behind the fucking scenes. Literally. Garfield is like the Snoop Dogg of animated characters. I mean, like, he, he's, 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 he's got baggy eyes all the time. He is always like, hungry. Always hungry. Always tired. Yeah. He can't even tell that the cable is out. Like, Garfield is a stoner. I, I think, I mean, if, if, look, if there, if there's one animated character that I know for sure is a stoner, it's Shaggy. If yes, there's no, two that's... characters I know for sure, it's Shaggy and Garfield. And Garfield. And probably Scoob. Um, probably. Well, I mean, you know, Scoob's getting the contact high. Let, let's just, let's be Minimum. honest. At oh, least. Man. It's that great image. And I forget which live action Scooby-Doo movie it is, but it's the back of the van. And all you see is smoke. I think it's the first one. And then they're cooking the pizza. Yeah. And then you, and, and angles down and it's a tiny little hot plate. Like, I, Perfect. brilliant. Perfect. There's also the, uh, when, when he meets Isla Fisher on the plane, it's like, oh, what's your name? Mary Jane. That's like my favorite Jane. name. Like, so yeah. Good. So well it's, done. So correct. Right. And then, and then, we, and then Scoob, that atrocity that was Scoob. Uh, another I attempt to kick to off a Scoob cinematic shared universe. Ruined it. Ugh. No, Scoob, again, yeah. Scoob is like, they're like these voice actors that have kind of been doing these characters for decades. And we just recast all of them. We're trying to recast Scooby-Doo. We can't. Who do we get? I don't know. How about the guy who's been Scoob doing Scooby-Doo Scooby since Don fucking Messick died? Literally. Like, it's it's irritating the fact that, like, they were like, oh, yeah, we're just going to recast all these characters without any notice to the actors who have been playing these characters for years. Correct. It's Except a shitty we'll move. keep the one character that you literally cannot recast. Correct, because like, even even the best celebrity impression of that voice is a terrible celebrity impression of that voice. Literally, like that was it. poor Matthew Lillard. <laughs> I I agree, and and I, Frank I, Walker, for frankly. Worth, for what it's worth, I do appreciate watching almost any Scooby Doo property with you. It's a lot of fun. I love Scooby Doo. Yeah, it's Hope, great. I am going to tell you one thing though that does make Scoob worth watching. I'm going to tell you one the one and one only thing that makes Scoob worth watching. Scoob okay. is a movie we will cover on this podcast one day. Oh boy. Captain Caveman played by Tracy Morgan. What? What is that like? It's I might have to watch probably this. exactly what wild. you think it's like. Yeah, okay. It's probably Absolutely exactly wild. what you think it's mm. like, yeah. Mm. Mm. That's a choice. It Interesting. Is. That's... The Chipmunk Adventure came out in May 22nd of 1987. It was uh, a Memorial Day release. Uh -huh. That doesn't surprise me. Uh -huh. it, was, it was a really dry year for family film. Yeah. Um, it comes out the 22nd 
Uh, it opens at number six to 2.6 million. It will go on to make 6.8 million domestic. I do not have international numbers for that movie. Um, That's I, more than I expected. Mm-hmm. I'm uh, so but excited not to hear a what big the enough hit for this. Not a big enough hit to do you want do you want to try to guess the box office? Hall? Absolutely not. I will fucking okay. uh eighty seven was Predator. That's the one movie I can come to mind that was in the uh, uh, it was in nineteen eighty seven. But no, I'm not. Yeah. And if I remember correctly, movie. my little toaster was like a November release. I think that, that was a, a holiday yeah. release. Yeah, because yeah, it's definitely not in this box office. Number one is a sequel to one of the most popular films of nineteen eighty four. Starring a big name Hollywood comedian, it is Beverly Hills Cop 2. Tony Scott's Beverly Hills Cop 2. Eddie Murphy. Um, And uh, in number in second place, it is it is a a character known uh, predominantly from advertising. um, And the actor who would go on the, the actor would go on to play this character for so many more theatrical and direct to DVD and video films. Are you going to say Ernest? Ernest goes to camp, 1987. Yes! In Ernest, I got them. I was, I love it. Is as a little it kid. is new Shit. this week? It earns in its first week more than Chipmunk Adventure will make in its entire run. Six point one seven million dollars. That's so fair. Ooh. Yeah. Oh dear. Yeah. Oh dear. Uh, in third place, uh, the Michael J. Fox uh, follow-up to Back to the Future: The Secret of My Success. Uh, which has uh, been in the box office for, oh, how many weeks now? Uh, two weeks and is, or no, seven weeks. I'm sorry. And it is uh, so far made about $48.5 million. Uh, in first or in fourth place, uh, a little film down from number one the week before in its second week on its way to its um, perhaps um, unfortunate um, reputation as one of the biggest box office bombs in theater, in movie history. Uh, David a little Lynch's movie, Dune. A little movie called Ishtar. Ooh, okay. A movie called Ishtar. And then in fifth place, a movie that I saw for the first time last October, one of uh, one that my partner grew up with and absolutely loved. Um, a little movie down from two the week before in its second week. Uh, a little movie called The Gate. I don't think I've heard of that one. What if there was a gate? It's about a... a, a <laughs> It's it's about a, a group of uh, of children who open a portal to hell in their backyard. Wow. Okay, that's going on a list. It's it's on and it stars that a is, young Stephen Dorff. That is the most like vague title for that movie. The poster is fucking incredible, though. It's like two hands reaching up out of the ground with like red glowing eyes. It's Ooh. it honestly Ooh. is oh, wow. really. Fun. It's honestly Ooh. kind of fun. Interesting. There's a passageway, a gate behind which the demons wait to take back what was once theirs. Pray it's not too late. Shit, I like that. Yeah, it's 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 pretty fun, honestly. Um, and then, of course, rounding out the top ten, we've got the Chipmunk Adventure opening at number six. Uh, we've got Platoon at number seven. Uh, it has made over 129 million. I think one of the biggest films, if not the biggest film of 1987, would go on to win the Oscar as well. Uh, Lethal Weapon, the original Lethal Weapon in number eight, Blind Date in number four, and in 10th place, a little film called Crocodile Dundee. Oh, Oh, hey, speaking of um, of uh, of uh, 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 badly handled representations of Mm -hmm. minority groups and media, Crocodile Dundee's has one of, again, 
it's similar to the Ace Ventura, I guess, but it's it's got one of my favorite jokes. You call that a knife? This is a knife. Yeah. And then he assaults a trans woman in a bar. Hmm. Yep. Hmm. It sucks. Yeah, it does. It sucks. It sucks. Yeah. It sucks. Um our hero. I like I like the uh I like the um the the Simpsons version of that joke. The that's not a knife. This is a knife. <laughs> that's a spoon. I see you've never played knifey spoony before. <laughs> okay, that is better. Right? It's good. a much better joke. Um the uh the tomatometer score on this one is a 75%? That is higher than I expected. Big same. Now, um like- there there is no meta score, but the letterbox score is a 3.3 3. Hmm. out of out of five. five out of five. Oh, actually, yes, that's sorry, five. Yeah. so it's um, it's middling essentially is what we're saying. Yeah. It's slightly higher you, than middling. I, I I don't know if I've said it, but like I probably have because I talk a lot. But um, you know, no, what this this movie has such interesting like a basic plot structure and hook. If you were to remake this movie starring you know like not children people in their 20s opposing going around the world in some crazy madcap adventure directed by guy Ritchie or some shit you know what you've you've just described the plot of it's a mad 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 world well there you go son of a bitch there's now another movie that's got to go on the list this is this movie is kind of it's a it's a mad 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 world with fewer cameos and a, uh, somehow a lot more racism for a movie <laughs> no. that came out in the 60s. 63, oh, there man. it is, yeah. In in fairness, that's not a race around the world. It's more a race across the country. I will, If you've heard of the movie Rat Race, Rat yeah. Race was a remake yeah. of It's a Mad, 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 Mad World. Sorry, okay, I sorry. have seen Rat Race. Uh, uh, three hours, 30 minutes? Mm-hmm. Fucking what? Am I, and am worth I in every second. That's insane. Interesting. Hope, just start reading the cast list for It's a Mad, 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 Mad World. I'm right there with you. Wow. You can read them out loud. Oh, shit. Okay. Oh, this is an audio. An audio. Yeah. 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 Audio. Uh, Spencer Tracy, Milton Berle, Ethel Merman, Mickey Rooney, Sid Caesar, Buddy Hackett, Dick Sean, Phil Silvers, Terry Thomas, Jonathan Winters, uh, Edie Adams, Dorothy Proving? Proving. Uh, Eddie Rochester Anderson, uh, Jim Backus, Ben Blue, Joey Brown, Alan Carney, Chuck Chandler, Barry Chase. That's as deep as IMDb is going. Yeah. I was going to say, until you keep going and then you'll see oh, like no. the Three Stooges okay. and the Marxes. Yeah, no, here we and... go. I wasn't in the full list. Don, Don Knotts. Knotts. Uh, 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 Jesus Christ. Carl Reiner. There he is. Roy Roberts. Uh, the Three Stooges. I like how they're all built together. That's kind of nice. Mm-hmm. Jimmy Durante. Oh, there they are. Larry Moe. Uh, 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 it's, and yeah. Wow. They were just together there. Oh, wait. It's Joe. Curly Joe Dorita at that point. Right? Okay. Curly, That's why okay. I'm not recognizing the name. He doesn't have Curly in his. Yeah. Uh, Phil Arnold, Jack Benny. What? Okay. All right. Yeah. This is going to be a day, I guess. I was going to say you, yes, three and a half hour. Jimmy Durante is like the guy who instigates the the whole thing. Like he dies in the, like the opening scene and Jerry starts the, the chase, but it's like, it is, it is an insane feat of, of storytelling. And honestly, from what I remember, it's been several years since I watched it, but from what I remember, it honestly is not as bad as you would expect a comedy from the 1960s to be. It actually That's is fair. pretty solid. All right. It's got to uh, be maybe less egregious Mark than Brothers this movie, if face. I remember correctly. Maybe. Yeah. 
maybe. But so those are the scores from across the internet. I turn now to you, my esteemed guests. How do you, on a, uh, out of five stars, how many do you give to 1987's The Chipmunk Adventure? For me, it's always going to be like a solid three and a half to four stars because I just love it. After That's this, fair. it's definitely like I, there's some there's some there's some rust on it at this point, uh, for sure. It's not okay. aging well in That'll any way. That'll buff out. But I, uh, I don't know. It's, it's, <laughs> will it's it? Near, will it's it? near and dear to my heart, and always will be. Yeah. I mean, yeah. As hmm. you're allowed to rate it low. That's fine. No, I think I'm gonna rate it similar to yeah. I'm gonna give it three stars. I think that's what I gave the Matrix Revolutions, because it's <laughs> like it's one of those things where it's like. This is not good, but mm -hmm. I'm enjoying it, right. which is frustrating to me. Um, but uh, uh, yeah, yeah, because again, the animation, it's is just gorgeous. beautiful. It, it the is. The girls of rock and roll sequence alone. That like, is why I cannot throw this movie completely out the window. Yeah. Because look, after watching, after, after spending the last three weeks watching transformers the movie my little yeah. pony the movie and gi joe the movie this thing was a breath of visually speaking a breath of fresh air yeah uh so, glenn will do that yeah that's that is his gift uh i also gave it a three um hey all right again it's the it's it's the it's the animation it it looks beautiful it really does um Maybe you can't understand all the words. Uh, maybe maybe subtitles were created for a reason. Maybe you should probably try to find this on DVD and not watch a, a bad rip on YouTube. Not um, only that, but I actually also own it on YouTube. Um, I own it from like Google Play. Okay. And Before it was made unavailable. Yeah, from yeah. several years ago. But um, even that version, subtitles when they're speaking, it literally just says singing. Yes. In the subtitles, it doesn't give you the subtitles of the songs. The DVD is the only place I've seen that. So right. it is difficult, no matter it's where hard. you find it. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And, and when I was watching the, the rip, it was either music, singing, or foreign. Anything yeah. they don't understand, yeah. they just attribute to foreign. Yeah, that it's, was bad. It's, oh, I it's hate very awful. bad. I hate that so much. It is pretty awful. You can awful. get a, uh, on eBay, the Chipmunk Adventure Blu-ray and DVD combo pack, Rare for 175 dollars uh i think mm. i'm gonna pass but thank the you dvd is 20 to 40 a little uh, more reasonable but i'm not gonna pay yeah. that much Still, for a yeah format. not no just look up the four good sequences on youtube and you're good exactly that's and and we've told you what they yeah. are so if you've been listening if you've got made it to this point congratulations girls of rock and roll diamond dolls off to see the world that's all you need that's all you need Hope, I think this now yeah. clocks in as the shortest episode you've ever been on. Oh, God, whatever shall I do? I guess I'm going to have to introduce something that I, uh, 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 an upcoming show in which I do nothing but info dump constantly. <laughs> um, if we're moving into that segment of the we show. We absolutely are, we yes. Are? Okay, cool. Um, you drop your other project and I'll drop Yeah, no, we'll do the co-thing in a minute. But uh, uh, you told me this is dropping on the 29th. It is available tomorrow <gasps> is going to be the matrix reclamations. Uh, uh, I have started a new show with uh, my good friend, uh, Ella Chesery of uh, the mystery shack look back podcast. You may know her from there. Um, but it turns out we're both 
uh, uh, local Philly gals that really fucking love the Matrix movies. So we are launching a, uh, it's going to be fairly irregular. I'm going to try and aim for one a month, but dropping on the 30th will be the beginning of the Matrix Reclamations, uh, uh, available at your finest podcast dispensaries. If you want to hear me <laughs> go even, believe it or not, I'm going to say this so people know what they're getting into. I've only been into Dune for about four years. I've been into the Matrix for 20 odd years. It goes hard. We're going to explore all the uh, angles of Matrix, but on a regular basis. Uh, yeah, no, we do our uh, High on Cartoon podcast, which is currently in uh, Duck Takes, a DuckTales 2017 fan podcast. Spoilers for all of DuckTales 2017, in which I mostly just info dump about my favorite TV show. It's a lot of but fun. But here's the thing. It's still very fun. It's very engaging. <laughs> I... I have fun. I, I have enjoyed it. And just listening to the two of you geek out about a show that you both clearly have a lot of love and affection for is um, <laughs> it's 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 a blast. It's It really is a lot of fun. Thanks. It's really good to hear, because, again, I forget that we have actual listeners. <laughs> so do I. Honestly, I forget. Hi, it's me, doing... an actual hey, listener. I, I forget that <laughs> we're doing so much, a podcast Steven, while we're listening. recording the podcast. So, yeah, yeah no, I'll, yeah, I'll like I'll re-explain something and she'll be like, yeah, I know. And I'm like, the yeah, yeah. I know. You see this microphone <laughs> I'm talking into right now? No, that's what's even more upsetting. I'm the idiot that sets up the microphones and monitors the line and does I all know. the editing. Oh, I know. I know. <laughs> I'm aware. Uh, so yeah, um, hi yeah. on cartoons. Check us out if uh, if you've enjoyed this uh, rambling idiocy. Yeah, and honestly, every time an episode comes in under forty minutes, I am kind of like shocked. Yeah, no, you gave me <laughs> sass for that a month or two back. You released an episode that's like twenty eight minutes long. We were it was we record them in batches, and it was late, and we were tired. I don't know what to tell you. No excuses. I, I will accept <laughs> none of this. Thanks for thanks for the input. Well, yeah. well, you're gonna input be received. Our... I, if if you break an hour, I want to say you'll be our longest episode of duct tape, at the very least. So oh, I'm, we're I'm gonna break an hour. For, I will uh, make that's the whole sure reason we switched over to doing a show in episodic format because doing individual movies just led to too much time. If you go back and you listen to our with Muppet hope, Christmas really. Carol, if you go back and listen to our Muppet Christmas Carol episode, you can both you can just hear how broken we are as human beings. <laughs> point in time it's upset i want to do another take at the muppet christmas carol eventually because i like we did not do that movie or us and our love of this movie justice but that's yeah as as someone who has to juggle the schedules of three very busy people every week to record this show i understand yeah the good news is uh we watch it every year so (laughs) that's excellent news yes uh, it's one of yeah, annual rewatch. Uh, it's a Christmas movie that that always gets done. Um, but yeah, so that's us. Uh, yeah. Steven, thank you so much for having us. This has been an Absolutely. absolute blast. Where can we find you guys on the socials in case people want to follow you, which they should? Oh God, I'm not active on social medias, but you can find me at Tyrannosaurus Bex on Twitter, Instagram, TikTok. Um, not that I post much. I'm pretty. I sure follow you on all of... those. So oh, there you go. All right. Uh, I'm sorry. I'm, and <laughs> it's fine. I'm... I'm pretty sure on uh, all major forms of social media these days, I am at Hope Lickner. Uh, that's H-O-P-E-L-I-C-H-T-N-E-R. Um, and uh, yeah, I, I'm, I'm not as social as I have been. 
um, because a lot of the ones I was using died horrible deaths or are owned by terrible human by beings. terrible 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 people uh we live in the worst timeline we, um, the, i i i was thinking maybe not the earlier, worst but pretty close no we live in, a, we live in the, a bad timeline we're, we're we do, in, no i'm not saying that no <laughs> we are in the farce portion of repeating history so yeah. it was a tragedy yes. now it's absolutely a farce we Correct. have elon musk cage fighting dipshit uh, Zuckerberg. So I'm like, yeah, no, this is dumb. Is that real? That's that can't be. They're real. covering up some nonsense. Huh. There's, yeah, yeah. There's like there's more there's other shit going on that they don't want us it. to know about. So, got bread in the circuses, you know. Um, yeah, duct takes on all available podcast formats. Uh, Are you <laughs> is is, is your podcast today. available on any uh, platforms or? Uh, high on cartoons. Yeah. Our, oh. our old stuff? Yeah, it should still be under the same It's all listing. been the same yeah. feed the whole time. Yeah. Oh, well, I know, I know that, but like, uh, do you guys have like socials for your podcast? Oh, oh, Jesus God. Yeah, we have an Instagram. Yeah, it's High on Cartoons Pod. Thanks I'm for not that. as good at that one either. Right on. I will tag all of this in in Great. our social like send out. So, and we'll cool. also put it in the show notes. So, no worries there. Um, but hey, in case you forgot, um, this has been a, the epic crossover of high-end cartoons and disenfranchise that you've been waiting for. I know all one of you have been clamoring for it, and here it is. Um, no, I, That's me. I fucking love you guys. <laughs> Hope's like, hi, it's me. I'm the one. Um, no, I, I, I do. I love you guys. Thank you so much for coming on and doing this. This yeah, has been, this so has been an absolute us. blast to talk about this very problematic movie. Oh, it's garbage, but I love yeah. it. Always good to get angry about media with you. It's, it's always a lot of fun. We so, do it a yeah. lot. <laughs> There's yeah, a lot to get yeah. angry about, honestly. A cornerstone of friendship. Frank. It is. It is. That's what it's what nerds are all about. Um, but we are the disenfranchised podcast. Um, you can find us on uh, all your social media platforms, by which I mean uh, Instagram, Letterboxd, Facebook, and Twitter at disenfranchpod. Oh, we're also on YouTube now at disenfranchpod. You can find whole ass episodes of the show uh, dropping there regularly. Also, um, I'm your host. Hi, it's me, Stephen Foxworth. You can find me on Twitter, Instagram, Letterboxd. Uh, yeah, just those three at Chewy Walrus. You can find my absent co-host Brett Wright. I think he's just checking in from let me see Cairo right now. Great. Um, he is <laughs> at sus underscore warlock on uh, Instagram and Letterboxed. And you can find my other co-host Tucker, who is checking in from Atlantis. Oh, um, he. You can find him at on uh, YouTube. One. Uh oh. <laughs> uh oh. Uh, at Ice Nine Zero Nine. That's I C E N I N E Zero Nine. You can also find oh him on God. Instagram. You at... would be a Vonnegut reference. Son of a gun. Yep. That's great. You can also find him on Instagram at Tuck T U C K underscore Mugs M U G S. Um, you can also join our Patreon for uh, I think at least another day or two, uh, unless we decide to extend it. You can sign up for a free trial of our Patreon, seven days free, and then. Uh, you can join at the $5 level to get access to all sorts of bonus shows, including Hope's very first ever episode of our show, Unenfranchised, uh, where she yeah. info dumps for three plus hours on the Matrix Revolutions and the entire Matrix and, franchise. And there's more where that came from. And so yeah. much yeah. Uh -oh. more. In fact, uh -oh. if, if you count that appearance, Hope, this is your fifth appearance. Oh, I've show. made the Five Timers Club. I'm going to make the Five Timers. Welcome. Happy. Welcome. Welcome yes. aboard. Yes, we'll send you. you your bomber jacket in the mail. Um, Ooh, okay. Yes, I'm into that. Anything that makes my my shoulders look bigger, I'm into. So yeah. there you go. Right on. Cool. All right. 
Good. Uh, but that is, you can find that at patreon.com slash disenfranchpod. Uh, you can find us uh, anywhere you get your podcast, but if you're on Apple podcasts or um, Spotify, please leave us a five-star rating and review. Let everyone know how much you love us. And, uh, and please do check out high on cartoons. Cause gosh, that's the, these guys just have a lot of fun and you could have fun with them. Um, so that is, um, that's, that's all I got, man. That's it. That's the episode. Uh, so I am but, hey, Stephen we Fox broke the two hour mark and that's what we important. at least broke the two hour mark. Yes. We got that going for us. And, which is good, which is nice. Uh, I am your host, Stephen Foxworthy for my absent co-host, Brett Wright and Tucker. And for my very present guests, uh, Bex Stow and Hope Lickner until next time, C-H-I-P-M-U-N-K guaranteed to brighten your day. <laughs>